All sports, all the time. There's heroes and there's legends. Heroes get remembered. Legends never die. This is the Spoken Podcast. Hold your ears, folks. It's showtime. I'm your host, Lance Twidwell. Man, that kid, he can ball, man. He can ball. Touchdown, Kansas City! Man with freaking Mahomes, baby! Uh, let's talk some sports, because that's what we're here to do. You are tuned in to the Spoken. Spoken. Ladies and gentlemen, here is Lance Twidwell. Spoken Podcast. I'm your host, Lance Twoodwell. Here inside the Spoken Studios with my guys, Trevor Twoodwell and Eddie Ortiz. Yo, yo, yo. Episode 151 is in full swing, full motion, man. We are so glad and happy to be here with you guys on this beautiful Saturday as we get ready for divisional round football, man. This is when things really starting to tighten up. I mean, the wildcard weekend's always a blast, but this is when the truest of the trues are actually surviving and advancing, guys. And this is when, like I said, things really start to shape up as to who's really going to get into that Super Bowl round. And I am so glad and happy to be here with you guys to break all this down and give you guys our thoughts and our opinions. We had some takes last week and we can recapture, re, uh, revisit some of those. But in the meantime, I want to thank all of you guys, whether you're live streaming, you're YouTubing, or you're podcasting. Thank you for making some time to be with us in this time. So let's get right into it, guys, because we have a special guest coming up in about 25 minutes, a former chief that I like to consider a now friend, a guy that actually does his own podcast with our dear friend Jason Dunn, our brother Jason Dunn, also a former chief. We have our guy Eric Warfield from Chief Concerns coming onto the show today to give us his thoughts, his viewpoints, his opinions on this matchup with the Chiefs and Bills, and I cannot wait to unpack his thoughts and his opinions on this very same uh, uh, on, on this game in particular, and we're going to probably get him get his thoughts on the other matchups as well because there's some intriguing matchups this weekend alone, guys. So let's get right into what the Chiefs actually had to do in order to get into the divisional round. I remember I told you guys on this show, and I've been putting it on my Twitter feed the entire week leading up into the Steelers game that this was something that. I, I didn't take too seriously. I know there are people out there that are always trying to say, well, we got to, you know, the Chiefs got to take their opponent seriously. They got to go out there and be focused and ready for whatever comes their way. And I've always agreed with that. But here's the thing that I didn't worry about the Chiefs feeling the way I was feeling. I didn't feel that the Chiefs were going into that game thinking they couldn't take care of business or, they, or that they didn't have to focus in order to take care of business. I know how focused Andy Reid gets his team each and every week. I know how focused Patrick Mahomes is. I know how focused Travis Kelsey is, and those are the core leaders of this team. Tyron Matthew, it goes. the list goes down. You saw Chris Jones at his press conference going absolutely berserk, screaming like a wild child, doing what he was doing because he was ready to play some damn football. And the Chiefs went out there and took care of business now. I will start at the beginning. <clears throat> I won't lie to you and pretend that I was happy-go-lucky the entire game. The very beginning of that game absolutely pissed me off. That first quarter was unacceptable. The Chiefs looked flat on offense. They weren't executing correctly. Something was not right with the offense in the first quarter. And you can make theories as to what it was that led into that and being what it was. I don't know really what it was. I have a, I had a theory that I think that play calling was just being a little too conservative because they wanted to make sure that everybody got out of this game healthy and they felt very confident that they were going to go out there with a conservative style of offense and still beat the Steelers. Well, the Steelers went in there with a healthier T.J. Watt, a motivated Casey Hayward, and uh, or Cam Hayward, I apologize, and then Minka Fitzpatrick. This defense was ready to play some football. They absolutely were. 
The problem for the Steelers was they didn't have an actual quarterback in that game. You could tell Ben Roethlisberger needed to retire a couple of years ago. You could tell he wasn't making the throws. He wasn't hitting his wide open man. And when he would hit his wide open man, they were dropping the ball. Deontay Washington had, what, two or three drops in that game, Trevor? I mean, he they struggled offensively. So it never really felt like the Steelers were going to pull this one out, even when T.J. Watt is getting a, a double fumble from Darrell Williams to end up getting into the end zone. I never felt like the game was ever going to be something dangerous late down the stretch. I was just waiting for the Chiefs' offense to finally emerge because their defense was doing their job. And then what you saw, the Chiefs score 35 unanswered points, and then we're sitting back chilling, just waiting for the division round to find out who, we, who what, what, what kind of Bills team we're going to be facing the next week. And so I was already game planning for that by the second, third quarter. But I won't lie. It was an absolute blast to see Patrick Mahomes go out there and basically show everybody, you forgot about me. You guys are sitting here focused on Josh Allen having a perfect game against the Patriots. Literally a perfect game. And my hat's off to Josh Allen for what he did against those Patriots. We're going to talk more about that in just a little bit when we unpack our Bills and Chiefs predictions and preview to this game leading up on Sunday night. But guys, the Chiefs showed the world on the national stage. There were over 28 million people that watched that game on Sunday night. That They are the team to still beat in the AFC. Now, I get it. The Bills are the new hot team that's out there. The Bengals are this new emerging, young, sexy team that's emerging. The Titans are this team that still find ways to, to hold it together. I get all the, all the narratives leading into this game, into this weekend. But we have to understand something, guys, that when the Chiefs are clicking on all cylinders, there isn't a team in this, in this league that can beat them. Not the AFC, the entire league. The, the, the narrative that's been going on all week long is, Josh Allen at his best, can he beat Patrick Mahomes? Patrick Mahomes at his best, can he beat Pat Josh Allen? The focus needs to be about the Chiefs and the Bills. And again, we're going to talk plenty about that. But you saw what the Chiefs did. And you can't tell me for a second. They didn't watch that Bills-Patriots game and say, okay, we're going to go out there and do the same damn thing. Because what they did was the same damn thing. In fact, they actually took it a step further. Because the Bills in that game threw a touchdown to their, their, their backup guard, got himself a thick six, as they like to call it. What did the Chiefs do on Sunday night? Allegretti literally comes off the bench as a double tackle, clears himself, lets the refs know that he's eligible, and gets himself a touchdown, a thick six, if you will. The Chiefs knew what they were doing. They were showing the Bills what they're going to have to game plan for. And I would imagine being Leslie Frazier and Sean McDermott on the Bills' side of this matchup, they're looking at this going, man, not only did they get a thick six in that game, they got Travis Kelsey throwing touchdowns. Like, the Chiefs were flexing their muscle in this game. And I honestly almost feel bad for the Steelers in this one because, as I told you guys on the show, and I said all week long on Twitter, the Steelers didn't belong in the playoffs. Like, we all can agree to that, right? Yeah, yeah. Like, they, they weren't a real playoff team. A lot had to go right for them to even get in there. I don't care about the whole seven seed thing. There's so many people all upset about the seven seed thing. I will knock that dead 24-7 if I have to. I like the seven seeds, and I like the progression the NFL is going with, just for the record, and I can break that down later on. But the Steelers were never a playoff team, and the Chiefs put them to sleep early. Even with the late emergence of their offense. Once their offense started going, there was no stopping it, guys. Now Travis Kelsey's putting up historic numbers. Now Patrick Mahomes is putting up a historic number. Now sits alone as the only player in the history of the NFL, regular season and playoffs included, to have four 400-yard, uh, four five-touchdown games. No one else has done it. Peyton Manning was the only other guy to do it three times, and he had over 200 more starts than Patrick Mahomes when he did that. And he's now over 1,000 yards in his postseason career, too. Now, yeah, yeah, exactly. So, guys, look, I don't want to sit here and just marvel over this game too much because, again, I wasn't shocked in the, in the slightest that the Chiefs did what they did. 
I think if we were all being honest, we all knew in our heart of hearts that was what was going to end up happening. The Chiefs are going to go out there and just absolutely destroy them and get out of this game healthy, which they mostly did. There's really nobody that got hurt in that game for the Chiefs. They were just looking at this and saying, this is an opportunity for not just to advance, but to make a statement. And they did, man, on both sides of the ball. I know that the Steelers ended up hit with 21 points. The Chiefs were subbing in and out of Chris Jones. He hurt his orbital bone. He was in and out of the game. Melvin Ingram was limited on snaps. Linebackers were taking limited snaps. I didn't look at this game as anything other than, well, like our guy Nick Wright said, it was better than a bye. The Chiefs got themselves a nice little warm-up sesh, and now they're going into a real game against a real opponent. And I'm very proud of what the Chiefs did in this game, and I think they got themselves right in a lot of areas. They need to be right before a big game like this against the Bills at Arrowhead this week. Trevor, what were your takeaways? Uh, yeah, I mean, as far as it being better than a bye, that, that's more of, I think, a fan uh, way to look at it, which it makes sense because it does, we did develop some momentum, and it is, you know, kind of an you know an easy way to get the ball rolling and get our juices going and, you know, grease up those gears. But at the same time, I think the players would much prefer to take a week off, especially with some of the guys we have banged up. And either way, I mean, yeah, it, it, what happened was what we kind of expected. It, we just kind of had a delay, which is what we typically do in play, playoff games is we like to spot teams 10 points, you know, start slow. Um, you know, you're one of the better first-half scoring teams this year in the regular season. But when it comes to postseason, I don't know what it is, man. We just tend to start slow and let teams, you know, get a little momentum themselves. And then we just like to rip their heart out of their ass. It's just like what we do in the postseason. So, um, I, I mean, we definitely went on a tear after that. The, the second quarter really kind of got started going. Um, and after that, that, um, that, uh, defensive touchdown, the Steelers and credit to the Steelers. That's say what you want about that team, them not being a playoff team. I think that is a playoff worthy defense for sure. That is a good defense. Definitely a good defensive front has been all year. Um, they haven't been really blown out many times. I mean, they still keep games fairly close, and they are one of the highest-scoring offenses in the second half uh, during the year. But granted, they're trailing most of the time, so that kind of skews to their favor with that number. But at the same time, this game, it, it was what I th expected it to be. I expected us to win by more than double – I mean, easily double digits, but near, near to the 20s, and we doubled their score. So, um, And their score was run up in garbage time, really. So uh, for the most part, man, there's not – it felt like we were just like doing whatever we wanted to do after that second quarter. Uh, and the second half started, we just continued that. Uh, like you said, we had Travis Kelsey throwing touchdowns. We had linemen catching touchdowns. Not only catching a touchdown, but chucking TJ Watt to the ground and then catching a touchdown. It was one of the most boss yeah. things I've ever seen in my life. Uh, <laughs> so kudos to Allegretti, man. I'm happy for him. That was awesome. Good to see that. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think we put a lot – the film, watching that film – like you said, like you alluded to with the Bills watching that film, like we had everyone involved. Demarcus Robinson was making plays. I mean, Pringle was balling, right? McCole's been getting involved the last few weeks, and he looks great, uh, especially on you know the, the returns um, and getting him in space and letting him you know get some yak. That's been really good to see for for McCole because that opens our whole offense up. Patrick used it his legs a couple times in that game as well, running for a couple you know twenty yard scampers. That was good to see, man. Uh, I, I love when Pat uses his legs because he uses it right. Um, I don't like to see him take any hits, so as long as he gets down, I'm cool with it because uh, that opens the entire offense up because if teams got to worry about that, then it's damn near impossible to stop, stop our offense. Uh, McKinnon, man, was the star of the show. I mean, the guy was doing everything we needed him to do. I've always been a believer and a big fan of him. He's extremely talented. It's just always been a health issue um, and his availability for, real on his, uh, for his career. So uh, I think we'll see more of him in this, this game upcoming. I do believe that. Uh, I know Clyde's been practicing all week, and I think um, uh, even um, uh, Daryl got in a uh, full practice on Friday, I believe. 
yesterday. So that's good, man. We got our whole repertoire of running backs. That's huge heading into this game. Uh, I think we're going to really, really utilize running backs heading into this next week. But the Steelers game was fun. It was just, it's just what it was. It was just fun. I was just having, I mean, like you said, early in the game, we weren't having fun. It was not uh, very enjoyable there. But um, you just look at the stats and how we scored. Travis Kelsey throwing one, Lyman catching one. My favorite play, though, my favorite score was the Pringle back of the end zone throw. Mm-hmm. That throw was, route, and, yeah. dude, that was one of the best Patrick Mahomes throws all year. Yeah. He escaped the pocket, extended the play. And ran out to his right, which is always the best play has come from Patrick Mahomes when he scrambles out of the pocket. I mean, that's just he's the best off script quarterback I've ever seen in my life. And then that throw right over the defender just placed it where only the receiver could get it, the back of the end zone. And Pringle was the right, right in the right spot at the right time. That was my favorite play of the game. Yeah, we can talk about the Travis Kelsey throwing a touchdown was incredible and landmark play for his career. And his mom was there. It was just an incredible thing to see. It was so fun. Um, but that throw, man, is just what I, I, that's what's scary. The yeah. one, if I'm watching tape and I see that throw from Patrick Mahomes and I know he's dialed in like that, that that's a that's scary thing and, to see, man. And then he had another one with Tyreek Hill, almost exactly the same. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Tyreek had too, man. He yeah, got he that elbow short, down. Yeah. 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 And, that, and that, play, that play was weird as hell. It was like we had one guy roll out, Patrick rolls out and fakes out like he's going to throw to the end zone and then chucks it, check, almost like a check down, checks it down to the middle. And it was just like a. It wasn't like a shovel. It wasn't like a shovel pass like we did to McKinnon. It was exactly. like a little like nah, nah. And, and Tyreek's right. It was like it almost looked like it wasn't supposed to be that play. But I mean, there was just so much on the film for these Bills to prepare for. Granted, I know we got a lot to prepare for too. But that was there was so many different ways we were scoring, so many different ways we were moving the ball. It's gonna be a it's gonna be a clash of the Titans here, man, coming in this weekend. Did this? Uh, I'm not gonna say this is this is better than a buy, but obviously. It was good for the Chiefs to play this game uh, for the simple fact that, uh, let's say they would have went straight to the divisional game, they would have went uh, against the Bengals. You get the Bengals that many drives, and then the Chiefs obviously struggling struggling early, you're losing that game. You're, you're not coming back against the Bengals. You're going to go down two scores, two, three scores, if you, you come out playing like that. So it was good that the Chiefs came out. Uh, you know, it's a little slow, a little rusty, but then they, you know, they got back, they got into that grind, and then obviously we know what we know what happened. Uh, it's we can't downplay the Steelers' defense either. It's not like that they were hmm. they're a terrible defense because they're not. Obviously, JJ Watt, arguably the best defensive player uh, this season. Yes. Uh, yeah. Besides Aaron Donald, but uh, could potentially win Defensive Player of the Year. Uh, we. Other than that, other than that uh, fumble recovery for a for a touchdown, and then the the, the pick, pick mm-hmm. uh, which was an incredible uh, play. Yeah, after those two after those two plays, he pretty much disappeared the whole game. Uh, they were putting they were trying to put that pressure on Patrick Mahomes, but I I, I believe that pick uh, that Patrick Mahomes threw early kind of made him more a little bit more aware. Uh, if if JJ Watt or somebody was closer, don't obviously don't throw directly at them because mm-hmm. they'll they'll make the play. That was a that was a play that JJ. Watt I just made. Don't, I don't think Pat saw him on that play. Yeah, I don't think Patrick Mahomes uh, fucked up. I think it was more of uh, JJ uh, TJ Watt making that play. He he made that That's play. What he does, yeah. man. So we can't downplay that this defense is it, a bad defense because it's not. Yeah, their offense is terrible. I'll give them that. Their offense is complete garbage. <laughs> I'll give them that. Yeah. Yeah, I'll give them that. <laughs> but. But the defense, obviously, you got to go against uh, Fitzpatrick, who is a great save. He's not no fucking scum. He's, he's a beast. He's he's a beast. He he knows what he's doing. So, 
for Patrick Mahomes to go out there and just sling the ball like the way he did without even having to worry about the fucking safety just shows that this team plays different in the playoffs. They this team this team is def- definitely different. We've we've seen throughout the whole season they didn't play this kind of kind of football because they were in this game Patrick Mahomes was slinging the ball. He was throwing he was throwing balls. Mm. Uh, you you saw uh, Pittsburgh try to uh, try to play that man coverage and then Patrick Mahomes was like, "All right, cool. Yeah, I'm pick gonna, it apart. Yeah, I'm just mm-hmm. going to pick it apart." So Patrick uh, so the Steelers defense had had no I mean no, uh, I guess you could say Answer. no medicine. Oh for, yeah, for, for, no for, remedy for no, it. No yeah. remedy for that because no matter what the defense did, the Chiefs adjusted. And I think I love what the Chiefs did this season. They adjusted to what the defense gave them, and it's given them more of a weapon this uh, playoffs. Because if you go and play them uh, the two me- uh, the the two highs or whatever the cover two, they're gonna pick your defense apart up close, and then they're gonna open the gap because they're gonna have to force you to change that style of play. Yeah. Because they're just going to keep eating, <clears throat> eating 5, 10, 15 yards at a time, extending your drives, keeping your quarterback on the sidelines. And you can't have that. So they're going to make start making this, these defenses either start, uh, start uh, rushing Pat or, or blitzing and doing all this stuff. So I, I love this. This Chiefs team is even more deadly than, than the regular season because now they have two ways that they can – more than two ways, but they have many ways to – that they can beat you now. So well, especially yeah. McKinnon becoming a new addition to yes, <laughs> our yes. repertoire of weapons. And that's and, uh, that's Shaggy. Shaggy Shane said yeah. uh, McKinnon still needs more snaps than Ceh this weekend. Yeah, and, and we're definitely will. we're definitely yeah. gonna get more into that. But I would tend to agree with Shaggy on this because of the fact that you got to roll with the, the hot health hand. Factor too. You got to roll with the hot hand uh, when you have. We've seen throughout the years whenever a, a, a fringe player like mm-hmm. a McKinnon. Starts doing what they do. I don't know, maybe like Daryl, like Damian Williams. That's, what was I saying just the entire time ago, I watched yeah. him? Like, dude, I you like saw I'm not, the emergence. A guy that no one had any expectations role. for, some some reject from Florida mm-hmm. for the Miami Dolphins, comes yeah. in here and scores 11 touchdowns for the Chiefs in the playoffs. That's absurd. So, I agree. I think McKinnon should get, roll with the hot end. My favorite things about this game, two things. First, on the defensive side, was situational football and execution. Where Najee Harris, the most sure-handed running back in football, Never fumbled, ever, right? Yeah. Willie Gay stripped that ball and beat that ball like it was a dirt devil. So for him to be able to do what he did in that game and situationally get that ball back to the Chiefs and put the game away, literally, by by that next touchdown when the Chiefs scored after yeah. that fumble, you heard Chris Collinsworth and Al Michaels talking about what Ben's going to do after his career. That's how they yeah. knew they yeah. knew the game was over. It was a wrap. Uh, it's crazy because when uh, we're talking about the fumble, when uh, Willie Gay uh, forced the fumble, you saw Frank Clark. He like he he smelled the blood in the water. Yeah. He immediately dove for the ball. Like he didn't even question it or anything. Like because you know most people they're like, oh he fuck, he was down or whatever. They'll just leave, leave the ball mm-hmm. or whatever. No, Frank Clark saw the ball. He just fucking dove yeah. straight for it. He didn't, he didn't even walk to it. He didn't run to it. He dove for it. And the other and that's part, the, the other yes, I agree. And the other thing that I loved about this game on the offensive side was the fact that it, I think it was a representation that Patrick Mahomes really has adjusted to things. Mm-hmm. Like you've seen. Time, He's taking yeah. what the, the the defense is giving him, and it's working. And that is a credit to McKinnon mm-hmm. for being so effective in this game. We were using but it in I so, love, different, so many different yeah, ways. The defense had to adjust to yes. that because they weren't expecting the run the run game. So if this offense can contain that run game that they had against the Steelers, yeah. bro. And I loved, yeah. and I loved, loved, loved the fact that Andy Reid, who is known to be so conservative, 
put the foot on the gas pedal, yeah, man, and blew that, them did, did out. Did you guys watch the uh, the franchise episode on YouTube? More. We want more. Yeah, he said, like, I want more. It's like, he said, get greedy. Get, get greedy. greedy. Bro, yeah. that... If that's, that's my kind of, favorite that's, Andy. That's what I'm that's saying. If that's the kind of mentality Andy. we have going into this postseason, yes. that's Andy's mindset, bro. Good luck to everybody, man. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> it was, uh, I think, 21-7. Mm-hmm. And then Andy's just like, pour it on. More. Pour it on. More. We want more. And that's why I said this game greedy, to me greedy. was a statement game to the Chiefs. Yeah. They watched that Bills-Patriots game. They saw the way the Bills just absolutely dominated and humiliated Bill Belichick and his defense, which finished, what, second in the league, only behind the Bills this season? Yeah. So for him to go in there, and you know Andy's like, all right, let's do our thing. Let's go out there and do our thing against the defense, like you said, Andy, multiple times. Is a very formidable and talented defense. And the Steelers that had something to play for once again. And like I said, don't downplay that defense. Yes, the offense make the team terrible. Still top defense. But it's a top defense. That defense was good. Mm Mm-hmm. And they had to be even better. They had so much pressure on them because of how bad Big Ben was this year and how bad and they, they know. They started this game hot. Yeah. And if it wasn't they made for the that, plays. And if it wasn't for that defense, this score would not be 0-0 going into the second quarter. Yeah, that game that game now moved the Chiefs to since November first. The Chiefs are seven and zero at home, and they've outscored their opponents two hundred to eighty two. So the Chiefs have absolutely dominated their opposition since November. And actually, the Chiefs haven't lost a home game since the Week Five loss to the Bills, and they've only been allowing ten points per game at home since that game against the Buffalo Bills. And again, I cannot wait for this freaking game. I can't wait to get this thing rolling. We're a few minutes away from our guy Eric Warfield joining us. Cannot wait to get his thoughts on things. But one more thing I want to take away from this game that I think that is uh, pretty profound, to be honest with you guys, is the fact that I feel like like we're not giving enough credit to the weapons for the Chiefs. What I mean by that is this. McCole Hardman has quietly had his best season of his career. Last few weeks he's been balling, man. Byron Pringle has by far his best (laughs) season of his career. He has nine total touchdowns in his career. He has four in his last two games against the Steelers. Daryl Williams is having a career year. I mean, it's so crazy to think that the the, the first-round pick, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, is one of the least most effective players on this offense right now. Like that's how that's how good this offense is clicking, and I was all on, the while Travis Kelsey's getting another yard receiving. Yes, game. and I was I was on the Kelsey. ship a couple days Tyreek ago with Dar- our guy Darren too. Smith, and and it's something I said on there was I think the thing that that I love about Patrick Mahomes the most, and I have since day one, is that he spreads the wealth unlike almost like, any other he's quarterback like out there. Like how many times do we watch a Chiefs game where it says at the bottom of the screen by like the midway of the second quarter that seven or eight different receivers have caught a ball from Patrick yeah, Mahomes yeah, already? Yeah. I mean it's it's absurd. Yeah. Seven or eight guys a game practically catching a ball from Patrick. It's like no one. Gray getting the action. Blake Bell that's what I'm getting saying. the action. Our, our, our third receiver on the team is like five people, five it's different absurd. players. And like that's, it's and that's a that's a that's a uh, 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 that's proof that uh, Patrick Mahomes is taking what he's yes. given. That that is only proof, that's a new development. Yeah, that is too, only proof for sure. that Patrick Mahomes is taking what he's given because he's not forcing the ball to Tyreek anymore. He's not forcing the ball to uh, Travis Kelsey anymore. Yes, he's going to sling the ball to those guys a lot. But he's not forcing those throws anymore. For instance, eight eight guys got receptions this week. Nine got targeted. Yeah. Eight guys got receptions against the Steelers, and six of them had at least four receptions. We had what? I mean, four, how do four you different people that? scored a touchdown, right? Wasn't uh, it? We have Pringle, 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 Pringle. There's four Pringle, got four Kelsey, different Kelsey. five different receivers. Five different people. Five different receivers. So Patrick threw five touchdowns. Yeah. Oh, I apologize. So yeah, he threw Yes. Five. So hold on. Yeah, we have McKinnon, one, two, three, Kelsey, four, five. Harry, yeah, five different Allegretti. receivers. Five different receivers, yeah, because yeah, Travis yeah. had a touchdown yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So six, yeah, six different guys, <laughs> six touch, total, six total touchdowns to five different receivers. Yeah. 
You want to talk about absolute versatility on offense. And then uh, Kyle Henning on, on YouTube says, mostly due to injury is why Clyde hasn't been as effective. 100%. And, Absolutely. And Kyle knows. I've, I've, I've talked to Kyle many times. We've been on shows together. I'm a big Clyde guy. I, I defend Clyde vehemently. I think he's extremely talented. I know he may not be the, the burst back that we you know some people want out of a guy like that. That's where McKinnon comes into play. So I, I don't mean to Far from a downplay what Clyde can be yeah. in this offense. I think Clyde can be very effective. We saw in the last Steelers game, yeah. he got blown up by two different defenders. Still I believe one of was T.J. Watt, and he just took it and ran and ran yeah. out the side, got the got in the got in the end zone. I, I think Clyde's going to be a big contributor to this offense if and when he gets to play. I think he's going to play this week. I think he could be effective, but at the same time, because of what we saw out of McKinnon, man, we we got to keep rolling with the hot hand in this one at least yeah. until it shows that McKinnon can't be effective yeah. on a consistent basis. As a fan, that's what you want. Yeah, you want the hot hand guys, especially at running back, because our 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 running back room has kind of been a revolving door. We've had so many different. We've had the Derek Gore games. You've had Daryl Williams balling out in the receiving game, so I mean, whoever I mean, McKinnon looks great, just keep him on the field, man. He he's a guy. He's one of those guys that just continues to make plays. And that's what I want on the field, playmakers. What I would like to see the Chiefs do is it's more of a, a running by committee kind of thing. I I think that that would be don't don't just make one a starter. I think all deserve at this moment in time they've proven, obviously some more than others, but I I think they've each proven their worth in this team, and I think. Andy and, and them drawing up plays for each individual one would would help this Chiefs def, uh, offense throughout the playoffs. Well, that's credit to Andy Reid, too, and, and Veach uh, getting the guys that they want, especially the running back position. We have all of our running backs are versatile guys. We don't have, like, any guy that, well, when he comes in on a third down, you know they're going to run a short yardage play. Or you know he could catch a five-yard you know, check down and take it to the house. Like, we have all, the, all three, all four of our running backs we've had in rotation this year are guys that can catch and run the ball efficiently. So that's... That's tough on defenses, man. Like not to like key in on, on certain players that have certain attributes. That all these guys are very versatile players. So and if you what, look at it, if you look at even the recent Super Bowl appearances, you see teams run have run running backs by committee. So that's nothing. That's nothing new, especially here in Kansas City, because that's the way Andy Reid loves to run his offenses. Of course. All right, we are so privileged and so honored to be with our guy, a, a, a co-host for the podcast, Chief Concerns, that I highly recommend you guys get on. He is a former NFL great. He uh, played his entire career with the Kansas City Chiefs. He played 115 games, had 20 interceptions, and three touchdowns. Let's give it up for our guy, Eric Warfield! How are we doing, Eric? What's up, fellas? How's it going? It's going great, man. It's going beautifully. Today's an even better day because you're with us today, and we cannot thank you enough for your time. We know that you got yourself a busy day today. I know you got a, a tea time to get to, so we appreciate you taking some time to be with us here to talk some football, man. First and foremost, I want to go back to your career just a little bit because I, I, I really, being a fan of yours as a, as a younger person and watching the way you play, play the game of football, I, I wanted to dive into your mentality. Starting Monday, you're in the middle of the season, you got a big game coming up on Sunday. Walk me through your progressions. Walk me through your mindset. How do you get mentally, emotionally, and physically prepared for a game coming up in the next five, six days? So at this point, there's not a whole lot else that's going to have you mentally prepared for a game of this magnitude. Um, right now, I think Buffalo is one of the better teams in the NFL, you know, outside of, of what Kansas City has done and where we're at right now. Uh, Buffalo's playing some really, really good football. So to see where they're at, to see how they beat us at home at our own place, um, you know the things that Josh Allen is doing and that 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 team overall is doing, that that's enough to, to make you want um, the most out of what you can give uh, to that game. So uh, outside of regular preparation uh, of what we do, 
uh, on a daily basis for his, his meetings, uh, playbook, uh, game film. You know, that's going to be the same. Uh, but just knowing the magnitude of this type of a game and, uh, you know, the, the, I guess, the statue of where uh, Buffalo sits right now, because I think that the winner of this game is pretty much going to uh, be your Super Bowl winner this year. Uh, and I'm pretty much saying that we're going to be the winner of this year's game, uh, of this year's Super Bowl. So, uh, but Buffalo's a tough team, man. They're, they're a really, really good team. You know, Eric, your your career is interesting to me because you started your career right at the time where guys like Peyton Manning and Tom Brady really started to emerge, which is when I believe the quarterback became so centric for offenses because we know that guys like Priest Holmes, your former teammate, LaDainian Tomlinson, guys like that were still around dominating. But a lot of offenses started focusing more on building around the quarterback. So you as a cornerback yourself, as a defensive back, which type of quarterback did you prefer to prefer to play on a normal basis? A guy that played it more conservative and did a lot of the checkdown plays and let his guys create with his feet, or did you like going against more of a guy like Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, where they were trying to rocket the ball and throw all over the field? What was to you something you can capitalize more on? You know, the guys that can sit there and do the checkdowns um, and sit in the pocket and, and uh, kind of break you down uh, schematically. Those are the harder guys to play up against. Um, you know, there's so much speed and and, and, and size in the NFL to where um, you, you don't mind the guys that like to scramble. You don't mind the guys that like to take the punishment every now and then. Those are the ones you look forward that, that you look most forward to, instead of a guy like a Peyton Manning or uh, or Tom Brady, because mentally they can sit there and pick you apart because they know so much of the defense and schematically uh, where to, to 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 locate and to give themselves an advantage where, you know, they don't go for the chunks every time because they can go for five yards in this, this route, go for five yards in this route. And all of a sudden they catch you slipping and all of a sudden you caught for 30, 40 yards. Um, and that's the best thing about what Tom Brady does. You know, he's not trying to go for the home run hit on every, uh, every drop back. Tom is one of the smartest guys I've ever seen, uh, you know, play after play, especially within the two minute drill. So, and it's all mentally Tom is athletically, not gifted at all, but mentally, uh, he's probably the best quarterback we have ever seen. Uh, and I would say he is the best quarterback we've ever seen because mentally he knows so much more ahead of time what he's going to do and how to break down the defense. Uh, when it comes to your career, I saw that I'm looking at your numbers right here, man. You had five, uh, five, uh, four consecutive seasons of fifth of ten more uh, passes defended, and four straight seasons. I'm sorry, five straight seasons. No, four straight seasons of four more interceptions. Your style, I, I look at it as a guy that almost baited quarterbacks to throw your way. Did he, Did you look at it as disrespect when quarterbacks would try to throw your way? Or were you one of those guys like, bring it on, man. I'm going to pick this ball off. I'm going to take it back to the house. I'm going to give my, my quarterback the ball back. All right, so forgive me on my speech right now. I have Invisalign in, so a lot of things come out slurred a little bit. Uh, You're fine, man. <laughs> I'm still new with it. <laughs> I'm about to get mine, too, but, uh, so I'm going to be in the same field with you. Gotcha. Also, uh, on the career thing of playing corner, you know, that's like the hardest thing I've ever done in my entire life. You know, majority of my football career was played at, at safety. You know, Little League, uh, high school, college, all played safety. And all of a sudden, I get the call from Marty Scheidenheimer that they want to change me to corner. So um, going into that first year, I had a great crop of uh, secondary guys and Dale Carter, James Hasty, 
and Mark McMillan that I learned from, each guy's completely different technique-wise. So I had to learn from each one of those guys in order to uh, bring myself into a position that I had never played before, never imagined playing before. And then going up against some of the most talented, fastest guys one-on-one in the NFL, uh, man, that's, that's, that's scary in, its, in itself. So when I got that call on draft day that they were going to change me to corner, you know, I basically uh, thought my career had started and ended on the same day because I didn't think I could cover these kind of guys. And uh, going into my first year, I was drafted with Randy Moss. And so our training camp was in River Falls, and we had to practice against the Vikings every every summer at training camp. So I got to go up against this guy along with uh, Chris Carter and those other guys they had with Minnesota, their, their, their uh, amazing passing attack. So I was pretty much baptized after my first year. Uh, Hello? You still? I, I, think, I think we broke up. I think we broke up on there. Yeah, a phone call came, but I don't know how. Uh, <laughs> You're a busy man, man. A lot of people need your attention. My mom was calling, but we'll, we'll get back to her later. <laughs> Damn, he's he's prioritizing us over mom. Hey, mom, if you're watching this, that wasn't our idea, all right? She's good. So I was I was scared as heck by the first couple of years, man. But I I kind of picked it up, and the, and the worst part was um, things just started to click for me. I wasn't a great corner. I was just a good athlete. You know, I was good in all sports, and I was able to transform that into a, some type of corner that can go out and you know have a decent NFL career. So it was tough each and every game out there for me, uh, but I had to lock in and, and, and do what was asked of me. Um, you know, was it the greatest? No, but, you know, I made a an eight-year, nine-year career out of it, so. Yeah, you something to be proud of for sure, I would say. Now, when it comes to this matchup against the Bills, on the defensive side for the Chiefs, we've seen the Chiefs' defense take it to the whole nother level, especially at home for the last, I think, two months now. It's been 10 points per game they've been averaging. They're 7-0 at home since uh, week eight. And they've only they've outscored their opponents 200 to 82. So the defense is really clamped down. Josh Allen is a very worthy opponent. But something we know about Josh Allen, he's also very inconsistent. He can have a lot of highs and a lot of lows very consistently from week in, week out. When it comes to the Chiefs cornerbacks and the defensive backs, Legereus Sneed, Shaverius Ward, Tyron Matthew, Juan Thornhill, Dan Sorensen, all these guys, they're going to be out there. If you were to give them some advice for this game from what you've seen from Josh Allen, what do you think the weaknesses and strengths they need to be paying attention to the most in this particular uh, uh, matchup in order for them to capitalize and help Patrick Mahomes in that offense, put them in greater situations, greater uh, positions on the field, and ultimately get this victory? You know, we call it plaster, and that basically means you just lock on to the guy that you're covering. I think our secondary and our defense as a whole has been doing well the, the second half of the season. You know, we started the first half, and everybody was arguing about how bad we suck defensively, how bad we're doing offensively, and, uh, you know, the interceptions that Patrick was throwing, the drop passes, uh, you know, our corners couldn't really cover anybody. Uh, you know, the Tyron Matthew dealing with the, the, the things of his contract and being renegotiated. So I think the second half, everybody's kind of settled in and understood their roles. And we played tremendously um, coming into this week's game. So just continue doing what you're doing. But know that you're dealing with a, a quarterback that can scramble at any moment. And he can make the, the, the hard pass to make those big completions. So when you get in those passing attempts, you have to plaster to the guy that you're on. Don't worry about coming off trying to worry about, um, be concerned about Josh Allen running. That's up to the front seven. And if they can't contain him, 
then yeah, we're going to have way bigger issues than, uh, than, than we hope for. But if we can't sit there and, and, and contain the guys that we're covering, um, then yeah, you know, you're coming off trying to make a play. We see it every week what Patrick Mahomes does when, when he starts scrambling. He's always making a phenomenal throw. And that's because guys tend to come off thinking that he's going to run. And yeah, at times he does run. So, uh, but you still have to play an honest defense and stick to the guy that you're playing. You know, I listen to your guys' show, and I know you guys touch on things like this, but I, I have to ask you directly, man, because I know the league is loaded with young, talented quarterbacks, especially on the AFC side. You know, you have Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, Joe Burrow. You have Justin Herbert. You have Lamar Jackson. You have these great young quarterbacks that are in their early to mid-20s. And I get that there's this, you know, we live in the generation now where, where media takes over. I mean, we're doing media right now. We're talking about these matches, talking about these quarterbacks. But, man... Eric, I feel like I can't enjoy some of these young quarterbacks because everyone is so hellbent on, on convincing themselves week in and week out, and almost feels like every week that one of these young quarterbacks has surpassed Patrick Mahomes. And, and unless I'm mistaken here, on a down year, Patrick Mahomes finished third and fourth in yards and touchdowns this season. I mean, that's a down year. He had better yeah. numbers statistically than both Joe Burrow, J Justin Herbert, uh, Josh Allen, uh, Lamar Jackson, because he was obviously injured this season. Eric, what what in the hell has happened here, man? Just be, give me your professional advice because it upsets me because I feel like it's it's both disrespectful to what Patrick Mahomes has already done in his four years starting career, which is unlike anything we've ever seen, but it also takes away the enjoyment of what I, as a fan of football, get to you know experience with these other young quarterbacks just enjoying who they are, not sitting here trying to put them over the face of the NFL, which is Patrick Mahomes. I mean, help me understand this, man. I mean, it's the sad thing of what we call reality. You know, social media is taking over everything that we do, every aspect. You know, it gives everybody a platform to speak their opinion. And so, you know, like given us now, we're on a, you know, we're, we're, we're viral. You know, we can speak to, 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 to millions with this platform that we have now. And so with that being said, um, you get a number of opinions that, you know, some don't matter, some do, some, some, some spark. Uh, a conversation that you know pretty much shouldn't be sparked, and until everything is has is, is, is proven at the end, um, you don't get the real answer of you know who's the best. And so that's one thing that I kind of hate. And throughout the season with our podcast, you know, we give a prediction. And even though our team, you know, the Chiefs were playing crappy in the beginning of the season, there was never a week that I didn't pick the Chiefs to win. You know, Patrick throwing interceptions, the defense wasn't stopping anybody. Each and every week, I always pick the Chiefs to win the next the next game because I felt like, and I still feel like, we're the better team. I felt like, and I feel like, we have the better quarterback. And I'm pretty sure a lot of others feel that way too. But when you're, you know, a fan or loyal to your program, and you see the, you know, the the success of what your program is doing, and especially at the quarterback position, uh, early on, I know Herbert was, you know, kind of talked about as one of the favorites for MVP. And how he's kind of surpassing Patrick Mahomes and along with uh, Lamar Jackson because, you know, we had the fumble that cost us a loss against him. Uh, so, yeah, there's a lot of talk about the guys and what they do. And, and give credit to where credit is, you know, due because those guys are playing phenomenal ball. They're, you know, doing what their franchises need them to do. But at no point would I ever say that a guy is better than what Patrick Mahomes is because of shit. I mean, it's like <laughs> it's proven it every year. You know, we, we doubted, you know, that he'd be able to repeat what he did in his first year with the Kansas City Chiefs. 
and he came right back, and uh, I think he put up way better numbers and ended up winning the Super Bowl. So uh, the guys definitely earn what he's getting, uh, whether it's the paycheck, whether it's the the, the fame. You know, he, he's an outstanding quarterback. And, you know, I hate going back to what basketball uh, references, but I, I compared it to Steph, Steph Curry. You know, a lot of people hate how Steph changed the game with the three-point uh, shot, and all of a sudden uh, – Steph is one of the highest tickets to get to go see in a basketball game. You know, and it's kind of that way with Patrick Mahomes. Uh, and you have to give these guys respect for what for who they are and what they've done for this uh, for the sports. The Bills were getting a lot of praise, especially on the defensive side, because they finished number one overall in defense this season. Here's the thing: the Chiefs played or the Chiefs beat six playoff teams coming into the postseason, which led the NFL, led all playoff teams. The Bills only beat two: uh, the Chiefs in Week Five and the Patriots later in the season. But if you look at the last 12 quarterbacks the Bills faced this season, you had Tua, Tua Tugavaloa, Trevor Lawrence, Mike White, Carson Wentz, who he took a massive L2 at home. The, the Bills took a massive L2. Trevor Simeon, Mac Jones, Tom Brady, who absolutely torched them. Uh, Cam Newton, Mac Jones again. Matt Ryan without Calvin Ridley. Zach Wilson and Mac Jones again. I mean, those are the last 12 quarterbacks the Bills the face. So I don't mean to disrespect them, but I mean to contextualize them, especially when you're without your best defender, your best corner, and Tredavious White. I feel, and I've been saying on this show, and I feel it's finally here, that that is finally going to rear its ugly head for the Bills' defense because they have been playing well. But when you have a, when you have a slate of quarterbacks like that and the only top 10 quarterback you face in Tom Brady, you lose 33-27. They absolutely smoked him in the first half. It was 24-3. And Brady threw 363 yards and two touchdowns in that game. For me, I feel that the Bills' defense, although statistically is really good, are not a, a, a proven defense to this point. I know they played well against the Chiefs first game, but I think we used to all address that the Chiefs are a much different team, especially offensively, than they were in Week 5. They finally figured out how to play against the Cover 2 defense, and since then they're averaging over 32 points a game. Do you feel this Bills defense is coming into this game as a worthy defense to beat the Chiefs and hold Patrick Mahomes like they did in Week 5, or do you think the Chiefs' offense is going to be able to do what they want to do? Our offense is phenomenal. <laughs> it's uh, it's amazing to sit back and watch them when they're on the roll. And uh, I know we had Kawika on, Kawika Mitchell this week, and I think he said we'd score 42 points. I'd love to see us put up 40-plus points. You know, I would not leave my seat if the Chiefs were going out, you know, putting up those kind of numbers. Uh, but, yeah, Buffalo's a good defense, and their safeties are, are, are really good. Uh, front sevens, outstanding. I don't think their corners are all that great, but, you know, they're, they're pretty good corners. So, overall, that that, that amounts to, you know, what, what you call the, the, the number one defense this year. And, yes, they haven't really played anybody, but you play who's on your schedule, and you take you, you take care of business when, when, when business is called. So they've done that. Um, I do think that at this point, you know, they've caught the Chiefs at a hot moment. Uh, everything seems to be rolling now. Um, you know, we've had a couple of injuries, uh, offensive line-wise, but even with the new guys, I love the chemistry of what they created within the front, within the offensive line, and those guys are playing so well. Um, we just have to keep them healthy, and, and you keep those guys healthy, and you and you see when Patrick gets in rhythm. It's, there's nobody that can that can stop him and what he and Tariq Hill and Travis Kelsey bring to the team. And when you get those three rolling, 
then the others step in and, and they create the other big plays. And I love the 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 usage of the running backs because no guy knows when his time is going to be called. So when they do get in, you get the best of what they can give. And those guys have, have been playing phenomenal. Uh, outside of the the fumble that that Williams had, he's been having a great year with the with the amount of touches that he's been given. McKinnon the same way, Gore the same way, you know, and Ceh has been hurt. Uh, had been playing well up until then. So uh, I just think that with this offense and with the, the play calling, once we get in rhythm, whether it's in the second quarter, second half, there's really no stopping us because we have so many weapons. And with that guy running the ship, uh, who, who I still think is the MVP of the season, but, um, you know, it, it, it's, it's kind of unstoppable. And hopefully, you know, we can get started in the first quarter instead of late. So. Yeah, and the confidence is there for me because, I mean, when you look at the last AFC Championship, which I think has more bearing on this game than the Week 5 game because I felt that both teams were at their best in the AFC Championship, and I don't feel that both teams were at their best in Week 5. You saw the Chiefs basically spot the Bills nine points, and then they go on a 38-6 to run. <laughs> so I agree with you. I would I would much prefer them to see they go out there go out there and be hot in their first quarter like they have been for the majority of the season. But even if they were to go down 7-0, 10-0, I still feel confident of the Chiefs can get in this. And the reason why is what I just talked about with my guys here before we had you on. My favorite thing about Patrick Mahomes, and it's been since day one, is the fact that he loves to sprinkle the ball across the field to all of his receivers. I mean, just last week, it's the Steelers. He had five touchdown passes to five different receivers. That's just something that's absolutely profound. So I know that you don't pick against the Chiefs, or at least you haven't. I know that you believe in this team more than a lot of people out there do, even including myself at times, the way they started the season. But I still have to get it on record here with our guy, Eric Warfield. Who are you picking in this game? And if you have a score prediction, because I know your guy Kavika had the 42 points or over 40 points, <laughs> dare I say our guy Eric echoes that. I don't know. What's your score prediction in this game, man? I, I pick 27-24 Chiefs. Uh, Let's you know, go. I, I, think that, I think that the Bills are, are, are a good enough team where they're going to get points. That, you know, we, we're not going to shut them out. Um, but I don't think it will be a high-scoring game. I think Vegas has them right at 51, 52 points uh, total for this game. So, uh, I don't look at those numbers. Um, I just feel like for what we've done and who we are right now, I think we can put up 27 points on this team and, and hold them to under uh, 25. So hopefully that, you know, 27, 24 is a game. I like it. I like the prediction a lot. Um, but one more question for you, Eric. It's a very important one. In fact, it's the most important question. And it's a question we ask our dear friend, who's also a dear friend and a co-host of yours, Jason Dunn, J.D., What's your go-to spot in Kansas City when it comes to barbecue? And why are you pro mac and cheese, unlike our guy JD? <laughs> no, I don't really have a, a go-to spot for barbecue in KC. I've always been like the uh, the steakhouses. Uh, I forget the name of the place that said uh, at the casino. Mm. Uh, God, is it Arthur Bryant? Oh, it, it might I, be Arthur. I think, I think, yeah, I think, I think so. At the casino, which casino are you talking about? Do you know Eric? Shit, I, I, I think all of them. <laughs> so it's been a minute. <laughs> well, the reason it I has, ask, the reason has. I ask, it, it's important because uh, Jason still hasn't taken us on, taking us up, uh, up on it. But I told him, man, whenever you guys are in town. We, we're front of the bill here, man. So what are you guys doing? I mean, what are you waiting on? You need to be on the plane now. Forget golf. 
Come out to get get some get some steakhouse grub out here, man, with us. I mean, we're we're just we trying have, to talk we football. Have, we have the steakhouse out here in Texas, though. Hey. That's true. Yeah, that's true. What are we doing? Let's book. Hey, Eddie, get on there and book the flights now. We're we're just gonna we're gonna meet Eric out there today. Forget Come on football. Out here. I, I, I it's a little warmer like out there. <laughs> no, but seriously, man, you're in Kansas City. You need to hit us up. Get JD to come with you, and we're going to make this thing happen. And we'd love to hang out with you guys and talk some football, man. Sounds good. All right. Well, that is our guy, Eric Warfield. You can follow him on Twitter, EA Warfield 44 They do a show called Chief Concerns I'm, I'm, with Dash, with JD. They have a great show, man. They get great uh, guests, obviously former teammates. They had Priest a couple weeks ago. They got Kavika Mitchell. They got some of my favorite childhood, teenage Favorites, man, from this Chiefs team, and Eric is definitely one of those guys. I am so happy that I can say that I got to talk football with my guy, Eric Warfield. We'd love to have you back, man. Sounds good, man. You let me know. We, we can get back together uh, after the Super Bowl. Let's do it. Let's do it, man. Sounds good. That's our guy, Warfield. Thank you so much, Eric. Have a good one, guys. You too, man. Yeah. I should have asked him what his handicap was at golf, man. I didn't, I didn't ask that. But you know what? I'm so focused and fixated on barbecue steakhouses and football that <laughs> I can't think about anything else. Exactly. Yeah, he, Do we, you know we grow up after every show? No, I actually – well, no, my girl did make pancakes, so no, I will say that. I uh, love you, Kelly. Thank you so much for doing that because those pancakes oh, were delicious. Kyle but... Henning said the other NBA comp to Patrick Mahomes, I believe, when we were talking about Patrick Mahomes, I didn't even see this. LeBron, LeBron James because he's the GOAT. LeBron. Man, those aren't bad comparisons. Ah, uh, you know, he's a little bit of LeBron. He's a little, a little bit, bit of stuff. You know, not hey, too bad. A little bit not of bad. mentality. Not bad. I, I agree with my guy Kyle. That's a that's a that's a great comparison. I would I would vehemently agree with that. And I've even heard Jordan comparisons in two. So for all those Jordan truthers out there, I guess you're gonna have to so agree with all three. He's you know? good. <laughs> But no, man, for real, Eric, thank you so much. Our guy, Eric Warfield, for joining yeah, us. Our former chief, great man. Yeah. 20 interceptions. I, I got to witness all 20. I got to witness the pick sixes. I got to enjoy watching Eric Warfield's entire career with the Chiefs, man. I absolutely love that guy. And he's an like all-class dude, and I can't wait to talk more football with him. Shout-out to Jason Dunn and Chief Concerns as well, man. They have a great show out there, and that's a friend of ours as well. We've had him on the show, and we're going to definitely have him on the way back on the show. But let's move to the Eddie Hour, as we like to do each and every week. Eddie's got some thought-provoking oh, questions trying to piss me off, and he usually works. Eddie, what's in the Eddie Hour this week? Ain't nothing provocative. Provocative? Provocative. Ain't nothing provocative. It's not provocative. <laughs> God. All right, I'm out of here. <laughs> yeah, you have Invisalign, too? <laughs> yeah. God, I'm having a struggle here. <laughs> Face is starting to tilt. <laughs> Oh, oh shit. shit. All right. <laughs> All right, man. First question, man. Uh, if the Lakers want to win in the playoffs, do they have to trade Russell Westbrook? I think at this point that you have – yeah, you have to. Uh, Russell is – I'm not going to sit here and say that he is the reason this team is is failing to this point, but he is not helping things at all, man. He's He was brought in to be a complimentary star piece, and he's been anything but complimentary. He's about to get, he's about to get his head coach fired. Frank, Frank Vogel's about to get fired, and it's not Frank Vogel's fault. He's out there trying his best. I mean, you even heard his recent uh, press conferences. They're asking him, hey, why did you bench Russell Westbrook in the final stretch of the game? I'm, I put the guys out there that I think can win the game. And that was an honest response, and I appreciated that from Frank yeah. Vogel because he's telling the truth. Because Russell is hurting this team more than he's helping it by far. Is he still putting up numbers? Yes. They, they, you know, they look good at times. He had an awesome dunk a couple days ago. Maybe that PER. But the, yeah, Ooh. but he's he's so inefficient. He's killing things, and LeBron's out here having to defend him to the media because they're boys, they're friends, they're, they're lifelong friends. 
But at this point, man, I think they're going to have to bite the bullet and, and, and sacrifice some of that cap and, and pay for the majority of it and just get him off the team. I, I don't know what they can get in a trade, but at this point, man, I feel like if you can get a couple role players, that's going to help a lot more because LeBron's leading the way. AD's eventually going to get back, hopefully, whenever he decides yeah. to get healthy or give a shit about playing basketball with again. I have no idea. Spring? I don't know what it is, man. I know it's I know how to do with the lower extremity. Yeah. It always seems to be I with AD. A, I think it was an MCL sprain. Yeah, it's with. a sprain he's dealing so, with. It's Le- a lingering. I told you guys, as long as LeBron's playing like this, the Lakers are always going to have a shot. I think that you got to get that distraction out of the way because at this point, that's what Russell's becoming. I know he's trying. He's always got the heart to play, but he doesn't want to adjust. And I thought coming into the season that Russell was going to actually adjust. I thought he was going to finally, you know, decide to play more like a Carmelo, where he I'm gonna I'm gonna let LeBron cook and let AD cook, and I'll help. No, he wants to still be the guy. He still wants to shoot three pointers when he's historically one of the five worst three point shooters in the history of the NBA. I, I think he's definitely a problem, and I think if they want to contend, which I obviously believe they do because LeBron's time's ticking, he's not got a lot of years left, they need to get him out of there to contend. Listen, I think my honest criticism of Russell Westbrook and his, his entire career, I've always been a fan of him and his passion, but he's never been the most talented guy. He's always been one of those guys that's an extremely hard worker. Always put, He's always at 100 miles an hour, right? But he's never been the most talented guy. He's never been the most skilled player, but he's always all heart. He's all effort at all times. He's an engine that just doesn't stop until the game's over. That is a limiting thing when it comes to team sports. This is why he's never found success anywhere he's gone. He's not a Chris Paul. Chris Paul is the opposite of who he is. Chris Paul maybe <clears throat> lacks the motor that he has, but Chris Paul is far superior skill-wise and defense and all these things. The little technically sound things in this in the, in the sport of, of, of basketball Chris Paul is superior in all those things um he's not a good you know Russ has just not been a good shooter throughout his career he's had hot streaks but he's never been an efficient scorer he's he has to shoot in volume to even get his points he's collected and, and accumulated a lot of numbers but it's just not working I never really liked this signing for the Lakers I didn't think it was a great fit because I felt like he was going to kind of like but into what LeBron already kind of does, and it, it has been showing. They just they're just not working together. It's just not good. It's just not the 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 the, the chemistry is just not there me, for me personally. Uh, from watching a good Lakers games, um, they cannot hold leads. Uh, they blow a lot of late leads. Um, so it's just yeah. I think they've got to find a way to get him uh, off the roster and find the best deal that they can get. Um, I don't know who's gonna want to take on that. You know that Russell that Russell situation, but. I think there's more problems than just Russ on this roster. And me personally, uh, I think AD is kind of taking a step back this year. I haven't really seen it when he was playing good basketball. I haven't really seen it from him. Um, maybe it's because he won. He got himself a ring. Maybe he's you know kind of resting on that. I don't know. He just hasn't looked right all year. Uh, the bench is old. Uh, the rotational guys are old for the most part. Kendrick Nunn hasn't been able to stay on the court. Uh, Trevor Reese has been getting so many meaningful minutes, and that's a bad thing. Yeah. Uh, so it's just a lot of there's a lot of problems with LA. Um, I don't really believe in them heading into the postseason right now. I got to see some change, some drastic changes here. I believe in LeBron. LeBron is the MVP of the league right now, and I don't care what anybody says. He's carrying this team would be a bottom team in the league if he was not on this team. This would be a terrible basketball team yep. if LeBron was not on this team. Uh, and his numbers are outrageous for his age this year. It's 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 unprecedented. Any age, but let alone it is unprecedented what he's doing at the age this year. But yeah. I'm not gonna go on LeBron rant. I mean, you just watch basketball and you'll know what I'm talking about. Um, so yeah, Russ needs to go in order for this team to have any kind of chance uh, in the postseason. All right. All right, this is a funny question. According to reports coming out of uh, Houston, uh, <laughs> the the uh, Houston Texans are interested or are very very interested in signing. 
Josh McCown as their next head coach. What are your thoughts? My thoughts are there are a lot more proven commodities out there. I know Josh McCown just played for them a couple seasons ago, or was even last season, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, and now they're trying to interview. Th- this is what I'll say about any outlandish or what we seem, what we what we deem to be um, out of the blue candidates. I'm, I don't ever want to downplay those guys because, for all we know, Josh McCown could end up being a really good coach in this league. We have no idea because you never really know. I mean, Andy Reid was a tight ends coach. You know, yeah. uh, John Harbaugh was a special teams coach. Shabby Bay was a tight end coach. Yeah, you know what yeah. I mean? Like, some of these guys, they just – exactly. Like, you know, the the, the Washington football team yeah. had Shanahan, it's Kyle insane. Shanahan, Matt LaFleur, and that's, Sean McVay as specialty coaches. That's how it is a lot of times, though. You yeah. know, and Andy Reid, where he comes from, you know, that, you know, that, exactly. that tree. Exactly, that's yeah. what I'm saying. Like, you, you have people come about that blow you away. So yeah. maybe he will be. So I don't mean to say it's stupid in that regard, but why it's stupid is because there's guys out there that are so much better – more proven guys to this point that I feel deserve those shots over McCown because McCown hasn't put the work in. I mean, hell, even Heinz Ward has been an assistant coach with the Jets. He's put his time in. He's getting interviews finally. But it's like, why are we so fixated and focused on getting guys that are not at the level of Eric Bieniemy's, Doug Peterson's, J- uh, Jim Caldwell's, uh, uh, even Byron Leftwich is putting his work in, man. Like, why aren't these guys yeah. the headliners? Brian Dable is probably going to get that Giants job, but it's just I, I don't understand the the necessity for a Josh McCown to this point. Let him prove himself as a as an assistant coach for a few years. He's only like forty years old. Yeah. Let him prove himself for a few years and show his effectiveness, show his leadership qualities as a coach, not a player, because everybody loved the guy. He was with like thirteen teams. Let him be a quarterback coach. Or but something. yes, let him let him groom himself a little bit because, quite frankly, for his own respect, he needs he needs the experience to better himself if he really wants to be a long term head coach in this league. I just don't like it now but i hope if he gets the job i wish him the best not the texans but i wish him the best because i got no qualms with him you know i mean we've seen mostly a lot of a lot of uh great stories as far as far as coaching co- go in sports in general is a lot of ex-players right a lot of ex-players especially guys like him that were never great players but they were journeymen yeah this is why i think um uh doug peterson Phil fitzpatrick too i think I think Fitzpatrick, once he retires from playing quarterback in this league, I think he's a very he's a Harvard grad, yeah. bright guy. I think coaching would be. I would love to see him. In, I, we need his personality in football for as long as we can possibly. I, I think Marshawn Lynch should try to become like some kind of running backs coach or some. <laughs> I do. I, I love those kind of because those are bright guys, man. So I th- I think the McCown idea is cool, but I mean it's the Texans. Who really cares? You know, I mean like it, it, who cares who's gonna? This isn't. A, it's not like this is a sexy gig, man. You, I mean, you're walking. Look what they just. Did. I know who doesn't care. Look who Deshaun did. Watson. I mean, look what they just did. To, yeah, I know. I was, and plus, this is me wanting the the Flores thing to work out, and because I can, so I can call that. But that looks like that's going down the toilet. So, um, I mean, if he gets the job, that's cool. But there are definitely other people that deserve that. But it, the real question is, who really wants that job? Is that a sexy job? I think people would prefer the Jacksonville job. I think people are dying to go get that Raiders job. That's a great gig to get right now. Harbaugh's and you know cahoots with that situation, so I think that's a possibility there. But there, there's so many other opportunities that are sexier than the Texans, especially with the Deshaun Watson debacle, him being out. You don't have a franchise quarterback, you know. You got Davis Mills, <laughs> you know, the neck of the league. You know, he's going to be out there. You know, probably. Um, I don't know. There's so much up in the air. That I mean, it, granted, it's kind of a blank canvas situation. So I think some guys um, um, would appreciate that kind of a fresh start, but. That is a jaded bunch. That is a jaded fan base. That is a 
lackluster front office. There's so many things that are going on over there that are deeper than just the head coach position. So I think a lot of people got to take into consideration that. I think that's what is happening. But I mean, McCown being never never being being a coach. This for him it makes sense because this is his chance to kind of get his feet wet, maybe working you know a resume up. Um, but I think a lot of serious head coach inquiries are are, are kind of avoiding this uh, this situation. If I'm being honest, so. If he gets it, it's cool. I, I've always liked McCown as a person. I thought he was he was a fairly good quarterback too when he filled in for a lot of uh, different other you know injured quarterbacks. A solid backup for a lot, a lot of his career. A solid starter for a lot of his career when he did start. Um, so I mean, if he gets the opportunity, you know, good for him. He's a good guy. He's a good family guy. Well spoken. Um, strong strong personality. Could definitely could demand a locker room. I could definitely see it happening. Um, yeah, if it happens, it happens. I'm, I'd be happy for him. Will we finally see Eric Bieniemy get a head coach job this season? Look, man, it, it better happen. And the reason why, it, I'm not going to sit here and make the oh, whole case that he to. deserves it because I, I think we all know that's the case. I think it has to happen this for this particular reason. Because if he doesn't get it this year, I don't know what, like, why he would end up getting a job later on. Mm. Think about it. He's not only been the Chiefs offensive coordinator for four years, he's been the Chiefs offensive coordinator in the greatest four-year stretch that the Chiefs have ever had. Mm-hmm. Like, what more can he do? Well, not just the Chiefs. This is one of the greatest runs any NFL team's had. Yeah, if he can't get <laughs> you know a job I mean? after that, like, what's going to get him the job? What's what? Like, what more could he do individually to prove his worth in this league? I, I've, I, I ain't going to sit here and defend what he may have done in his past 25, 30 years ago. I understand he had a little bit of a rough patch. Yeah. But for me to sit here and utilize that against him 25, 30 years later, I have to ask the question, then why did he deserve an OC job? If, if his past is keeping him from getting a head coaching job, why didn't it keep him from getting an OC job or a job before that or a job before that? Why was he allowed to do it? I mean, Urban, oh, Meyer, Urban Meyer's getting jobs. So. Oh, oh, it's because of his, it's because it's no longer relevant, right? It, it doesn't really play a factor in his daily routine anymore because he's grown up. He's in his 50s now. He's learned his lessons as an adolescent, right? Oh, then maybe we should all move on and give this man an opportunity because I guarantee you skeletons are in everyone's closets, especially like the man Trevor just mentioned, Urban Meyer, who keeps getting jobs for some damn reason for being absolutely subpar at best over his last couple visits. So I, to answer the question, man, he gets it. Because I, from my vantage point, I don't really see how he's going to get a job any other time as opposed to the last four years when he's proven himself as a worthy uh, candidate. Yeah, I mean, I think this. I think it has to happen this offseason. Um, I know Denver's been putting in some hard inquiries on him. Um, I would hate to see him go to Denver. Uh, I mean, they got some things to figure out over there, but I think it's Denver and who else has really been acquiring that Minnesota, we know Minnesota, the New York Giants have supposedly reportedly were interested. I think that I think the team's going to, if he get, does end up getting a job, it's going to be Minnesota. That would because be polls from the Chiefs has been interviewing for, I believe, a job mm-hmm. for uh, the, the Vikings. If I'm not mistaken. Uh, I believe polls, the, the assistant to Brett Veach, is getting interviewed there, and if he gets that job, man, that'd be a great, that's a slam dunk. That'd be a great offense the, to walk. Yeah, into the relationships too. that the enemy already has up in Minnesota. I feel like, yeah. what would you be doing if you don't hire him? It makes all the sense in the world to bring in the brass well, and, from Kansas. And City. from the Vikings' standpoint, they need a culture change. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Like yeah. they've been a very vanilla, <laughs> kind of a, you know, a middling attitude-wise team. He would be a guy that would go in there and light the fire Shake shit under up, yeah. all that. Yeah. So. Wherever he goes, I, I I believe success will follow, um, and I'll definitely be a cheerleader for him, man. Uh, yeah. Wherever he goes, and uh, I if it doesn't happen this offseason, I, I I've kind of lost faith in, faith in the idea of it and, happening. And more so, I want to see him go somewhere where they're they have a steady foundation. Like the Vikings yeah. are not a or the Bears, you know, a shaky 
organization. Yeah. I, I want to see him go somewhere where they're going to let him have four or five years to get himself a, a team that he wants to build. I don't yeah, want to see would, him I would go to a place that two years in, you know, he has a 500 record, let's say, and they fire him. I'd hate to see that. Yeah. I want to see him get an opportunity to really have an opportunity. Jacksonville would be cool to see, too, though. I would like to see him with Trevor Lawrence, see what he can do with that situation. Oh, yeah. If he can go in there and turn that franchise around after too. Urban Meyer just failed, big yeah. games in sports, just yeah. failed as a head coach, and then he goes in there and turns that shit up, bro, that would be a great story just and, to and see. And let me that. just let me just throw this out here, not that it you guys don't have to believe it if you don't want I, I don't really care. Uh, but I have been told by people that very much know Eric Bieniemy is going to take a job if given the opportunity. Yeah. He's not going. Eh, I don't really like that city. No man, eh. he's done his time. No, he, if if there's a job like, hey, we want you, he's going to take it. Let's yeah. just, I'm just putting that out there. Okay, so nobody needs to sit here and say, oh, maybe he's like, you know, weighing out his options. No, he's going to take he's a head coaching job after Reed leaves. You have to no. think, man. Generational wealth comes with becoming a head coach in the league. You yeah. get paid millions and millions of dollars to be a head coach in this league. It isn't. This isn't the 1980s anymore. I will man. say though, man, to his detriment, kind of. There's a lot of big names still floating around out there coach wise so it, it is the pool is deep yeah so for him that kind of sucks you know what i mean because there's the hardball talking about coming back to the nfl you know there's no Peters, hardball is coming back there's peterson the there's Nagy. there's a lot of there's a is lot of names from? out yes. there yeah and i think it's going to be the raiders which really sucks that, i mean i kind of really like that fit no it, it sucks because he's going to turn them around that's what's going to happen bro i kind of because i'm a hardball guy yes. i love him man. two years having that if he's there he for would, two years dude, they're that, a playoff team he would spark, he would spark this rivalry even more and i kind of like it so i'm saying like they're they would be a contender in two years with jim harbaugh for sure i'm look guys i know that sucks to say when everywhere they the man. truth, man. Yeah. He's the fucking truth. I mean, he took the shitty 49ers to and the they, Super Bowl. Yeah. Two straight NFC championships. Yes. I mean, that, he yes. He busting ass with Alex Smith, too. You know what I'm saying? Smith, that's you know crazy. what I'm saying? Like, Derek Carr would be one of the best, if not the best, quarterback Jim's ever had as a head coach in this league. As far as throwing the football, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's all that really, I mean, that's the majority of the, the importance as a quarterback saying, like, to throw the football. Yeah, yeah. yeah, Alex Smith, who was a lackluster thrower, so. Yeah. All right. Uh, Kyle Henning was asking if uh, the Texans posted the head coaching job on Indeed.com. <laughs> It's on Craigslist. <laughs> it's on Craigslist. Yeah, so just go to Craigslist. Oh, damn it. That was funny, man. <laughs> Kyle, you're the shit, man. <laughs> All right, man. We, we've we seen the return of Clay Thompson. I want to get your thoughts and, and I want to get, uh, like, you feel like, what do you, what are you thinking uh, of of him since his return? What do you, have you seen from him? You can definitely tell he's missed some, some time. You can definitely tell. You can tell that his energy levels are, are just very inconsistent. I was watching. A highlight video of the last couple of games for him, and he's off. I mean, he he can still shoot. You can see it. He's the shot's always going to be there. I, I was never worried about that. What sucks for Clay in this particular situation is that once he got back, Draymond's been out, or Jim. I think Draymond was out before he got back. But the fact that like we don't really get to see this team as a nucleus, like really play together the again trio. for the first time in two years, I feel like it's put a damper on it because the, the Warriors are like four and seven or four and eight since Draymond's been out. And that sucks, man, because Clay, like, I, I really feel he would feed off of Draymond's energy a little bit more and give him a little bit more energy. Because you can tell, like, there's just lulls in his game right now. He'll get back. He'll get back to the energy side of things. I still worry about him as a lateral east-to-west defender. I, I do worry about that because that was one of his greatest strengths was being able to lock down a dude on the, on the perimeter and then go out there and jam him from 30 feet on the other side of the court. That would just piss me off if I had to play against Clay Thompson. I'm not seeing that yet. I, I see a slower defender. And that's and that's not a good sign to this point. I'm hoping though that knee keeps regenerating, his energy gets regenerated, he starts to get back into basketball shape, and becomes that great player that we know him to be. I've always said that I feel like he and this is going to be disrespectful. And other people that were '90s truthers and '80s truthers are going to get mad at me. 
I feel like Clay Thompson's the better version of Scottie Pippen because he's the same size, he's just as good if not a better defender, and he's a much better shooter. I, I've always felt like he's the better version of Scottie Pippen. And, and I really hope that we get at least a couple more seasons out of that guy. Because if we don't, I kind of feel like the Warriors dynasty or the Warriors championship window is kind of done. Because Clay's, what, 33 now? Clay's 31-ish, 32-ish. Draymond's 32, 31. I, I just don't know how much more they'd have left in them if they can't get 85% of what Clay Thompson once was. I mean, the Sky Pippen comparison is is different because they're di- two different, totally different types of players. Um, and Sky Pippen was far the superior athlete. Um but Clay, Clay is not really like a, a loosely good athlete. He's very mm-hmm. technically sound, almost robotic. And he's, but he, he makes, he doesn't waste of movement. Mm-hmm. He's very. Anytime he goes for a ball, he's getting his hand on it somehow. You know, he'll throw a nasty dunk out every once in a while. But he, as far as like how he's looked since he's been back, he's definitely looked slower. Yeah, he's got to mm-hmm. get reacclimated. Yeah, uh, coming back from the injuries that he sustained in his career already, those poor knees, man. Um, yeah, he's got a lot of work to do. He's going to have to just get back in game shape. And I expect him to. I don't expect him to be running the floor like he used to, really, because it's, it's going to take some time for him to get back to that. But it, his, his jumper looks the same. His robotic form, his release, his follow-through, everything looks exactly the same. He's not missed a step as far as his jumper goes. No. His jumper looks, still looks great. His catch-and-shoot ability is still what it is. It's elite. This guy can catch-and-shoot with the best of anybody ever. Um but his defense is definitely taking a step back. He doesn't have the step that he has, has he's had in the past, which is expected. I mean, not everybody's John Morant, right? Not everybody can just like he's young and resilient like that guy came back and he's immediately just right. out there dominating again. John Morant's an absolute stud. Um, but yeah, I mean, um, yeah, he's definitely slower right now. But I mean, they don't. I don't think they needed him to come back and be that. I think this team's been rolling without him. So just kind of the, you know, then then Draymond going down is huge. I mean, that's their number one defensive player. That's their most versatile player. Guy that could kind of play every position pretty much. So when you miss a guy like that, that's huge. Um, so this Warriors team is still very scary, man. When Draymond gets back, this is a, this is a scary team going into the postseason, especially if they hit their stride and Clay starts hitting his shots. I mean, this team could could do pretty much anything in the postseason. So. Clay's looked good. He just hasn't looked like himself really, though. Kyle Henning again. Oh, he's he's active today. I love it, Kyle. Bring him, dude. He's Bring saying, him. He, he's talking about polls. Uh, yeah. With, uh, he said polls has a second interview with Chicago. So Ooh, there's that. man. See, that dude is going to – I'm telling you, teams around the league want him, man. I think there's – I think that's the next, like, hot GM coming up, you know, yeah. because no one's really paying attention to him as far as, like, you know, everyone pays attention to Andy Reid and Brett Veach. He's been a dude that's been putting in work for some time now. Do you think Chicago would give a, a shot to another Chiefs OC? Yes, back-to-back yeah, I do. Back-to-back? I, I do. I think that you because look at okay, for instance, look at what the Philadelphia Eagles did. Yeah. They fired Andy Reid and then they hired Doug Peterson. Yeah, they Doug Peterson came from uh, Andy Reid. He was his offensive coordinator. So a few years I, after, yeah, I do. A few years, way, but still, yeah, years. I understand. But my point is that he they knew what they were getting from no, Doug I, Peterson. I know, but I'm saying like back to back ten years. That's yeah, I do. I I because here's the thing: if a guy's a candidate that you have trust and belief in, I don't think it really matters what tree they come from. Because look at it. Bill Belichick tree Bill, Bill Belichick's tree is terrible. Awful. Yet every single year it seems that one of his head his uh, assistant coaches are getting a head, jo- head coaching job. I mean fuck, Joe Judge was a head coach in this league. Can you believe that? Like we're going to look back in 20 years and go, "Wait, this moron was a head coach in this league? Holy <laughs> shit." In one of the biggest if not the biggest market in all of sports and on the in America? Fuck, man, what the hell were they thinking? Yet guys keep getting jobs. Who are we hearing in the, uh, uh, getting a, another head coaching job? Josh McDaniels. Not only did Josh McDaniels suck ass in Denver, he literally changed his mind after agreeing to be the Colts head coach. Which, by the way, ended up being a blessing in disguise for them. They ended up getting a better coach, in my opinion, than Frank Reich. 
I just I don't understand like how the Patriots keep getting these guys jobs, but it happens. Yeah, and that's what I'm trying to tell you is that even though I agree with you, it may be worrisome to some. I think if the Bears believe in, let's say, an Eric Bieniemy, let's say he's the guy they f- they feel and believe that can come in here and take the next step. Because honestly, him and Nagy are two very different offensive coordinators stylistically. I think that they would give him the job if, in fact, that be- they believe that's the guy that they want. I just want to say one thing, bringing it back to the, to the Warriors again. I don't know if you guys saw last night Steph Curry hit his very first of his career game winner shot. Yeah, the two. Isn't that hard to believe though? Was it a buzzer beater? Yes. Yeah. Okay, a, that was, makes sense. Game-winning- I've seen him hit game winning shots before. I mean, sorry, remember against the ice Thunder game. when he threw like from fifty, yeah, from like fifty. Yeah, when him and Russell going yeah, at he it. was doing the. Yeah, but I mean, yeah. this that's just crazy. The guy that has the most, one of the most volume shooters, one of the most efficient shooters, the greatest shooter of all time. Yeah. It's what year thirteen for him now, yeah. or year was it year yeah, twelve? Yeah, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I He's think. been in this league for over a decade now. Uh, well, well over a decade. Two thousand eight, <clears throat> two thousand nine. I mean, all the, this guy this is what he does. He, this is what he does. He shoots the basketball. He's the greatest to ever do it. And this is it's taken this long to have a first buzzer beater game winner. Like, LeBron's got numerous, and we all know LeBron's not, like, nearly the shooter that Steph is. So, yeah. it's just kind of crazy to see that his very first, like, historical. I, I did not know that. I did yeah, not last know night that. was his first game-winning. I'd, wow. I'd, I'd seen the replay, though. That that's was, just, like, hard. Nice. Like, I was like, how? I was looking at the stats, like, that's that's wild to even fathom that that's his yeah. very first one. So, Jesus, it's crazy. wow. <laughs> yeah. I feel like the guy in scanners. <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, going from one player who came back with uh, Clay Thompson, let's go to another player that's coming back this weekend. It's coming back here in about three hours in the name of Derrick Henry. He will be starting today for the for the Titans. Do you think the Titans are risking Derrick Henry by starting him right after the uh, that significant injury he had? Uh, I mean, it's reported he still has a metal plate and screws on his foot, and he's going to play with uh, metal on his shoe. So do you think the Titans are risking Derrick Henry uh, too early. Yes, 100% yes, but here's the thing. That's what they should do. Why? Ryan Tannehill's 33 years old. He's not going to be around very much longer, and he's not a great quarterback in his prime. And Derrick Henry is a running back who's nearing his late 20s. This is the Titans' opportunity to win. And it's sh- it's shitty for them because their their window is in the midst of Patrick Mahomes' prime years, which actually Patrick has, hasn't even hit his prime yet, and this is happening in the middle of a budding dynasty in Kansas City. You have Joe Burrow, who's emerged. You have Justin Herbert, who hasn't even made the playoffs yet, but everyone knows what he is. He's a great quarterback. Lamar Jackson's still around, and you have Josh Allen. So the Titans' best chance and best hope is to get Derrick Henry back out there, and if Derrick Henry clears medical yeah. and they feel he's good enough to go, you have no option here. It, it sucks for Derek because I think that there is a serious risk here that he could prolong and, and even extend this injury to where it could be a lifelong situation he has to deal with. But if Derek is willing, he clears medical, and you know that your window is this this big to begin with, and it's it's narrowing and narrowing as as, as each breath goes by. Mm. What other opportunity? What other options do they have other than to run him now? Because there's no guarantee. Obviously, the, the Derek Henry we've known, who I've right. loved, he's one of my favorite football players ever. There's no, there's no saying like we talk about Clay Thompson. There's no guarantee that we're going to see Derrick Henry of just a couple, few months ago ever again. Once running backs hit a wall, that wall does not let them go through. And I think that Derrick is nearing that. I don't believe that he's no longer a great running back. I think he's got another year or two left in him of great football. But everything's got to go right. And we can't guarantee that. What you can guarantee is that today, as we're recording this this podcast, they have a home game, a home playoff game against a Bengals team that still has to prove a lot. 
you got to get Derrick Henry out there, man. So that's where I say yeah, yes. Yeah. I think they are risking it, but it's the right thing to do. It's absolutely a risk. I mean, every, it's a risk every time you need to put those cleats on and step onto the gridiron, you know. So, um, And these guys all know that calculated risk of what it is. And <laughs> Derrick Henry, a guy that was averaging 25 to 30 touches a game, uh, it understands risk. I mean, he's a risk that puts that rock. So, um, I, yeah, I mean, he's this guy is an anomalous player. He's one of the most dominant forces we've ever seen in this league. And he's, he's kind of a throwback type of player that's playing in the modern era. Uh, which makes it even more attractive and more fun to watch. That is a scary man, and they, the Titans know that their offense runs through him. If you're if you're depending on Ryan Tannehill to go win you a big playoff game, good luck. They need him. They, he's the pillar of this offense. They understand that shit. You don't think Derrick Henry wants to be out there? You don't think he understands he needs to be out there? You don't think he's worked his ass off in recovery to get back to where he can get and just in time for this game? You know, maybe one of the biggest games of his career. So uh, you know, and with the one seed, you know, the, and, and you know, knowing that his team worked hard to to, to him that one seed with, without him to you know the last stretch of the season so it's impressive all the way around man and kudos to mike Vrabel, kudos to that entire team figuring out ways to win um i don't think they're that great of a team but they just find ways to win and like i said that's a well-coached oiled machine over there so derrick henry is a guy that will take a game away from you no matter what you try to throw at him um unless it's you know nick bolton but uh <laughs> Yeah, I mean, listen, they they understand the risk, and this is a this is a winner go home situation. Um, and he's gonna have a whole off season to recover even more if he does get a little more banged up. But he understands the risk, and they understand what um, you know what they could possibly do here if they win this game. This is a huge game, and they uh, they want to win it. And I think he's a good chance to if he plays and plays well. So, yeah, expect to see him out there. I, from all I know, that he's cleared, he's ready to play. So, should be a good game, man. All right, last question. Um... Obviously, UFC 270 is tonight. Hopefully, you guys are watching. Um, we got two title fights tonight. Yeah. And I want to see who you got in these uh, two title fights. We'll go with the first one. Uh, Brandon Moreno, who is the current champion, yeah, versus go. Davison Figueredo. Who is winning this bout? I'm right, Moreno, man. I Look, the moment he won the title, I almost got teary-eyed. Remember, we talked about this several months ago. This was almost a, a year ago, soldier, I feel like. Man. I love his story, man, out of Mexico. The first UFC born in Mexico champion, correct? Yeah. yeah. So I love the story. I love his, like, his energy. He's always smiling and happy and, like, jubilant and energetic. I always feed off that kind of stuff. He, you know he kind of reminds me of? I know this sounds really weird, Trevor. You don't know who this is. Nick Swisher. Remember Nick Swisher, the oh, old yeah. baseball player? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, always jubilant, always happy. Yeah, wanting to just, like, live life and has a zest for everything. He's the life of the team. I'm yeah. right, Moreno, man, because yeah. I just love him. And I think, honestly, I, I, I don't want to sit here and say definitively he's the better fighter in this because Figueroa's a badass. That's a great matchup. But I'm gonna I'm gonna take Moreno in this one. I'm gonna take him confidently because I just believe in him and he's the one that I think that is gonna what's up? What were you gonna say? No, 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 I was just gonna say knockout or uh Decision. decision. I don't think for your Figueroa's getting knocked out. I, I don't I don't think so. I think Moreno's gonna win this and it, it may I'll, I'll go and say it won't be unanimous, but I think it's going to be a decision by a couple points. I think Moreno gets, yeah, it'll be a split, but I think he gets the he gets the deciding one. So. I think it's Moreno TKO. Ooh, uh, I like it. I, like I, don't, it. Think, I, don't, I don't think he's going to knock anybody out cold because he hasn't really. I mean, he has that ability. Don't yes. get me wrong. He yeah. he packs a punch for the size of guy he is. But I think I just I love his humility, man. I love I love the. I also love the guys like the the you know the John Joneses and the, and the, you know uh, the guys of that world. Um, you know, the McGregor's. I love Adesanya. those. Loud Is that Adesanya? Yeah, the guys that back it up. Yeah, yeah absolutely. The guys that back it up. Um, but he is a, he's just a different tone. He's a very he's a humble soldier, man. That's why I like to call him. He's like a humble soldier. He knows he is capable of destruction 
And he's just out there smiling. The way he ends, he's putting his hands up. He's like, I don't care. You're not going to bother me, bro. I'm not even going to look at you, whatever. I'll just stare you down and give you something. I'll kill you with kindness and then kill you with these fisticuffs when we get in that octagon. So I, I like him a lot. This is a good match. Don't get me wrong. This is, these are both warriors, man. These guys are going to go at it. But I think TKO. I, I like him in TKO. I like it. Yeah. And then Kyle Henning uh, says the Titans are pretty much all essentially all in. Uh, they don't have any choice. Yeah. They don't have choice. I mean, That's exactly right. They, I agree. I, I See, I'm glad Kyle sees it that way as well because I know we, him and I have talked about the AFC playoffs structure before the playoffs even began, and I think we all agreed that it's either Derrick Henry or Bust for the Titans, yeah. so they have no choice. Yeah, I mean, of course. <laughs> all right, next next, uh, next title uh, title fight. Mm. We got Nganu versus Cyril, Cyril Lane. Oh, gone. Cyril Lane or whatever. Is yeah, gone, yeah. Yeah, oh, see, this is the one that I'm excited about as hell. Now, obviously, we wanted to see the you know, John Bones Jones go up against uh, 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 um, Ngannou. Ngannou, yes, thank you. It'll happen. I hope that happens. But, man, Sorrell is a dude to be wor- – He's a he is a absolute monster. And in, unless Ngannou catches him with a, with a combo plate – Sorrell's the kind of guy that could beat Ngannou, man, because I think he's actually the more complete fighter. Mm. So He is undefeated. Yeah. Guys, He's more technically sound. Because I want John Bones and Ngannou, even though Sorrell gone would be a great fight against Bones Jones, who I think could actually beat Bones Jones, I'm still going to stick with Ngannou because I think he can catch. He's the one guy that I think can catch Sorrell and and and, and, and knock him out. So I'm going to go Ngannou by knockout only because that's the only way I think he can beat Sorrell. No one has ever and will never actually beat John Jones. But here, neither there <laughs> nor there uh, nor here. Um, I like Ngannou in this fight. I just think he's just a powerhouse of an individual. I don't care if I don't care if the if you know if he's the less technically sound fighter in this matchup. I just think power and force sometimes is just overwhelming, and I think that's what he has. He's he he's the hardest puncher recorded in history, and then this guy is just a force. He continues to get better every single fight too. And this guy didn't really start fighting until like you know seven eight years ago, I think, maybe not even that. So this guy is he's just a freak, man. Um, I think the only person that can take down really is John Jones because of the length, because of the skill set that he he has, um, and the power. Um, so I just think um, I think Ngannou's got this, man. I, I really do. I'm very confident. I think he, <laughs> I think there's a good chance he knocks him out because this is, this is what he does. Um, it's just gonna take one good hit from the power of that fist, man. So I'm taking Ngannou here. I'm not gonna call a knockout, but I think. Granted, when these Clash of the Titan type of fights happen, these heavyweights, it's typically knockout. Or nothing, you know. I mean, so one of these guys is gonna try to knock each other out, um, and if anybody does, I'm gonna put my money in Ngannou. But I'm not gonna call how I think this fight goes. But I think Ngannou wins, and I think there's more of a chance that this doesn't go the distance than it does. I don't know how Ngannou can win this fight unless he knocks out Gone. I don't know, but I mean, if it goes to the judge, I mean, obviously he doesn't want him to go to the judges because he's probably not gonna land as many hits because that's not his style. Mm-hmm. Um, he's kind of one of those haymaker guys, but. He's getting more technically sound every fight. Like I said, he's he's developing more skills every fight, you, and you've seen it. He's gotten better. He's implemented some kicks, things like that. He's gotten better on the ground. I just think, man, I think Ngannou's is one of those guys that is ever evolving, and just and he's still young. He's not, a, you know, he's not a guy that's like a late bloomer. He's still a young guy. He's been dominating since, and he all he knows is how to win fights. You know what I mean? So I think the sheer will of Ngannou is just going to get him there tonight. Or, yeah, tonight. So. Yeah. That's it for me, homies. That's a great, great Eddie Hour. We appreciate it. I always love getting to talk a little UFC, man. This is one of the biggest cards. It's been a mess. We had like a, a really, yeah. yeah. It's one of so, the first like big cards yeah. we've had in a while. Yeah. It's going to be a good. Biggest of the year. Biggest of the year. Yeah, great way to start the year. I'll <laughs> I, say that. I hate That's the fact way. that they put it on, a, on a, during yeah. the playoffs. I, know, I, I will play. be watching football. I hate that, no man. Lie. 
I really do because this is such a big card. I'd love to just dedicate my whole night to this we card. Got, we got Bucks and Niners or Bucks and Rams. I mean, yeah, man. Like yeah. this is no, this is the, or, the Packers Niners, Niners tonight. Packers, yeah. Packers yeah, yeah, Niners yeah. tonight. Packers Niners. Yeah, yeah. The beginning of tomorrow. I will be watching Bucks. that. Yeah. I have four greens in that game too. Yeah. And speaking of those matchups, we're going to dive right into the divisional round preview. If you guys, what we're going to give you guys our picks. Uh, full disclosure, uh, I absolutely shit the bed on my uh, <laughs> first day wild card picks. I picked the Patriots not only beat the Bills but Jesus. to hold the Bills to twelve points. So holy shit on that one. Uh, and then I picked the what was it the for the uh, the second game I the picked Raiders. the Raiders to make the beat the Bengals. Now that one that was a good game. Man. Was a lot closer. It was a it was a touchdown decision, and the Bengals got a got gifted a touchdown. Yeah. So they're not a, you know I feel better about that one, even though I was wrong. But holy shit, was I wrong about the Patriots Bills? I deserve a few L's on that one. But this week we have the Bengals visiting the Tennessee Titans, the one seed. We also have the Packers hosting the six seed 49ers. And then on uh, Sunday slate, we have the Bucks hosting the Rams. And then we have, of course, the Sunday night matchup that we're all very much looking forward to and we're going to get to in just a second. The two-seed Chiefs hosting the three-seed Buffalo Bills. So let's start with this first matchup with the Buffalo or the uh, Cincinnati Bengals visiting the Tennessee Titans. I was talking to Darren Smith from uh, the ship this week, and we didn't really get to talk about these matches for the Saturday slate. So I am really looking forward to this, guys. Uh, this is the matchup that I like to call the battle for silver because whoever ends up winning this game is going to lose to whoever wins the Chiefs-Bills matchup. So whoever's going to win that game is going to be fighting for second place in the AFC. That's just the way I see it. Our guy Eric Warfield said it himself that whoever wins the Chiefs-Bills game is going to get to the Super Bowl and probably win the Super Bowl. Uh, the Titans, to me, I, I want to give them as much respect as I possibly can because they've won, they won some big games this year, especially earlier on. And they got to the one seed without... Derrick Henry for the majority of the season. So that for that, I think Mike Vrabel should win coach of the year. I, I really do. I don't yeah. think there's anybody that did a better job and got his team more prepared than than Mike Vrabel. Having said that, the, yeah, overcame what they were with the loss. Yeah, but and especially with the whole Bud Dupree distractions and all this shit that was going on, yeah. like he still had this team ready to go. So for that, I got to praise Mike Vrabel. No, no but the Titans are frauds, and I and I really stand by that, guys, because when it comes to this portion of the playoffs, like maybe in the wild card round, you can you know get a win because you don't have a great quarterback, but your team just maybe matches up better with the other team as a whole. But when it comes to division rounds and conference championships, and especially in the Super Bowl, you have to have the better quarterback. You just do. And although Ryan Tannehill has more experience in the playoffs than Joe Burrow, I think he has what five four games to one uh, as opposed to Joe Burrow. I think that there's a clear advantage here for the Bengals in this one at quarterback in particular. And I don't want to oversimplify it because there's other aspects to this. But they're they're 15th in total offense, they're 27th in total defense, and they again they haven't had Derrick Henry in three months. So, my the question people ask is how do they win so many games? Well, ten of their 17 regular season games were against non-playoff teams, and they went eight and two against those teams. So they capitalized Wait, on a lot they of. They lose to the Jets. They lost to the Jets, yeah. and this was early in the year, so I'm not going to sit here and crush them for that. But it was right. earlier in the year, and teams do bounce back. But when you play the Jaguars twice, when you play you know these bad teams multiple times, the Texans twice, and they ended up beating them in Week 18, so I'll give them a legitimate victory for that because uh, their quarterback, uh, what's a uh, long neck, uh, Mills, David Mills, Davis Mills was balling, mm -hmm. so they still won it. They still beat a, a decently bad team. You know what I mean? Like the Texans were terrible, but they were they were bad. You know what I mean? They were they weren't a great team. But I'll give them that victory. But see, again, eight of your 12 wins are against bad teams or teams that didn't even make the playoffs. 
The Chiefs had six wins against playoff teams. Mm. So they only had two fewer wins against playoff teams than the Titans had against bad teams. So I have a hard time crowning them in this game, even though they have a King and Derek John Henry in this game. I, I don't know what they're going to get from him. And again, their defense is so bad. They were they were the eighth worst passing defense in the on the season. They gave up what was it the ninth most passing touchdowns? And there's a lot of bad defenses in the league. So for you to be in the top ten worst passing defenses against Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase and T Higgins and 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 I just Joe Mixon out of the backfield. It's 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 really hard for me to take you seriously in this matchup. Now, what I will say is this. The Bengals are going to have two defensive linemen in this game. Bad, they're already bad against the run. Yes, they're already bad against the run. So, mm -hmm. and, and here's the thing: the Titans have been good with the, in the run game without Derrick Henry. Yeah, man, they've been still effective. Yeah. They, they, they've, they've been and Tannehill's extremely mobile, and all these factors included. But here's the thing, man. Again, in these types of matchups, when all these things are thrown on the table, and we throw all these chips on the table, we see what this team is. We see what this team is. What they're not. What they're not. Strengths, weaknesses, <clears throat> pros, cons. What is going to be the X factor in this matchup? It's going to be Joe Burrow versus Ryan Tannehill. Who's going to make the bigger plays on third down? Who's going to make the more explosive plays downfield? Who's going to? What defense is going to hold the other quarterback to three as opposed to seven? <coughs> I have to believe, and I actually think, guys, I'm going to be real with you. I think this is going to be the highest scoring game of the weekend. I think this is going to be the one that's the biggest shootout. Hmm. I think both offenses are going to get a lot because both defenses are either bad, average, and banged up. I think that both teams are going to score in the 30s. And I think Joe, if that's the type of game we're playing, then Joe Burrow is going to come out victorious. Because also, hmm. let's not let's not let's not be let's not make shit up here. Nissan Stadium doesn't have like the significant home field advantage. Teams win and beat the Titans home all the time. It's not like they got this. Oh my God, man, we're going into Kansas City. We're going into Seattle. We're going into Green Bay. It's not like that. They they don't have that type of fan base. They have great coaching. They have awesome players at certain spots. But when it comes to these types of games, I have to go with talent. I think Zach Taylor is one of the most underrated coaches in the league, one of the most underappreciated head coaches in this league. Joe Burrow is a guy that I believe in. I think this game, there's not, I don't think there's a game that's too big for Joe Burrow. I don't think he's one of those quarterbacks that's like, shit, I don't think he's ready for this. Now, there are other quarterbacks we're going to talk about in a minute that I do think games are too big for them. He's not one of those guys. I believe Joe Cool applies more to him than even Joe Montana himself. I think that Joe Burrow is going to show us why he's a future Hall of Fame quarterback in this game. I think he's going to throw three plus touchdowns and he's going to give me, he's going to outscore Ryan Tannehill. In the game. I have the I have the Bengals winning this game in Tennessee. Trevor, yeah. This this is a this is the most interesting game to me on the slate, <clears throat> just because of uh, the two totally different types of teams that are facing off here. Um, I also I don't think that the Titans are frauds. I think I think it is fraudulent that they have the number one seed because I feel like they're they're semi undeserving of it. But as a team, I, I think they're I think I don't think they're fraudulent. I think they're definitely a playoff team nonetheless, regardless if they got the one seed or not. <clears throat> I don't think there's a team that needed the the buy though more than the Titans. They 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 needed this more than any other team, and that, that's why I think this is such a huge thing for them. The fact that they had that buy it helped Derrick Henry get back to where he is right now. I gave them uh, Vrabel, who I think is a very well-prepared coach. Eight no an after extra week weeks. to prepare yeah. for the Bengals, and I think he knew all along that the Bengals were going to beat the Raiders. So I think they've been preparing for them for two whole weeks. That's why I'm picking the Titans to win this game because I think Vrabel is going to have his guys ready. I think they're going to have a hell of a game plan, which they almost always do. Vrabel always has weird things that he does, uh, especially ways of scoring. Um, I think that defense is is not the greatest, but I think they have good talented. And look, I kind of look at this like you said, talent. You're going to pick the talent, which is fine. I understand that is a extremely explosive, super talented offense over there in in, uh, in Cincy. Um, 
But I think I, I look at this similar to it, the way I looked at the Cowboys Niners game. The Cowboys are the more talented yeah. team. Yeah. They have the bigger names. They have the, all, all the work. I mean, we could talk about Debo Samuels. He might be the most talented team player in that entire game. Yeah. But as far as like overall names and talent and, and accumulation of talented roster wise, the Cowboys had them beat, uh, which is why I think a lot of people would pick them. Uh, well, we picked the Niners because we felt they were better coached. We felt they had the better strategies, the way they were on, on the clock. They were very strategic in the way. And then Cowboys were more loose and it's dependent on the talent. Mm-hmm. I think that's what could happen here. I think Jamar Chase can be too much depended on. And I think Joe Burrow could. We've seen Joe Burrow have those games, man, where he just can't evade the pressure. And he throws picks and has multiple turnovers. This is what, dude, and if we know anything about the Titans defense, they're not a great team from keeping other teams from getting points sometimes, but they do know how to get the ball. And they can force turnovers. And this, they're, this is one of those weird teams that just always finds ways to get the ball, and they find weird ways of scoring. And Derrick Henry's back. That's that's huge for me, man. And he's had you know an extra week to prepare, and I think Derrick Henry could absolutely trounce. How much more this defensive line? How much of Derrick Henry do you think is back though? Because like we talked about, I think all the be, plates and the and the screws. I know the dude's barely human. Sure. Like he is like from Mars, but, but he's just, yeah, he's one of those guys, man. I just think he's gonna go out there and give it everything. Because if you yeah. you know if you you don't win, you go home, and if you go home, fuck it, you got a whole off season <laughs> yeah. to recover, bro. Yeah. I think he's gonna go out there and just be an insane individual. Plus, honestly, what I want to happen, I want Cincy to win because I want the Chiefs to win sure. this game and I want us to go beat Cincy's ass. I want revenge on the Bills and Cincy. That's what I want. This, that's how I want this postseason to play out. Because I think, that's I think how, the NFL the, wants the, that too. The, well, the, I mean, the, imagine the respect the Chiefs would earn if we get a revenge on the Bills and the the Bengals back to back and we go to the Super Bowl. That's what I want to happen. I think the Titans are going to catch the Bills slipping or the Bengals slipping here, man. Okay. I really do. I don't, and I don't think it's going to be as high scoring as you're saying. No, I would like to see that. I definitely think that could happen. I think the Titans are just going to own this game from all aspects. Special teams, defense, offense. They're going to own the clock. Derrick Henry's going to run all over them and just milk that shit. I think they're going to beat them their way. I don't think they need to go put up 30-plus to, to beat the Bengals their way. And I don't think the Bengals are going to be able to force that because I think they're going to be chasing, and I think they're gonna, the, the Titans are going to play with the lead the majority of the game. They're just going to own it. Um, and I don't think Tam's going to have a great game. I think it's going to be a Derrick Henry-type game. And he's going to – and for you forget, they got a guy by the name of A.J. Brown who's an absolute force in this league when he's going off. He's – very hard, very difficult to cover because yeah. his size, speed. I think he's the better receiver than DK Metcalf. I think he's the better guy, even though they're on the same team. But the size, speed between those type of receivers are very difficult to cover, and they do not have the corners to cover him, uh, let alone trying to stop Derrick Henry up front. So you got that duo. I don't think they need to do too much offensively special, like being anything special to to win this game. Unless the Bengals are going off, then that's a different ball game. If the Bengals are hitting on all cylinders and Jamar Chase is doing what he does, and they're trying to cover him with single, man, you know, man coverage, then we got a problem yeah. because the Titans are chasing; they're going to lose. But I think I think what the Titans are going to do, they're going to play well defensively. They're going to get Derrick Henry going, and then AJ Brown's going to make some plays. And I think they're going to win this game by maybe scoring seven points. I'm with Trevor on this one. I think the Titans are going to win this game. Uh, Derrick Henry, it's, it's a it's a big big reason why he's a he's a big presence on that team and and I feel like that whole team feeds off of him. So I think his energy, his presence in that in that in that game, I think it's gonna mean a lot for the for this team. And I let let's not pretend like Tannehill is like a terrible quarterback. He's not a terrible. He's a good. He's a yeah, he's a good he's quarterback. A very, very good quarterback. He's not a great. Yeah, but he does his job, and and I think and I think. Uh, him and this uh, against this Bengal team, I think Vrabel's gonna make a a, a very uh, good game plan to where they're gonna try and keep Joe Burrow that uh, on that sideline on yeah. that sideline as much as they can. Trying to prepare for the Bengals for two weeks, I think 
hopefully help the head coach, you know, kind of figure out a game plan, a good game plan on how to keep Joe Burrow on the sideline, keep uh, Jamar Chase on the sideline, kind of keep those explosive plays away from the field as much as possible. Because you're not going to be able to stop those plays. I think those plays are still going to happen. But if you limit the, the chances that the Bengals have in scoring, I think you're going to have uh, Joe Burrow start pressing a little bit. You know, the, the uh, young quarterback mentality uh, that the Bengals' uh, first time uh, playoff experience uh, kind of kicks into, into that a little bit. So <coughs> if, the, if the, the Tennessee Titans can, can, you know, make that happen, you know, force them to make mistakes. Joe Burrow is the, was the most sacked quarterback in this league. So mm, the offensive line is terrible. Yeah, and, and so they can get to that quarterback. They can get to Joe Burrow. But he's also really good and, against the blitz. Yes, and he's – he's. Uh, I don't know if he's still a little banged up from when he played the Chiefs. I don't know. So hopefully if they hit him out early, I don't know if that will probably uh, – the little injury that he's carrying, I, I don't know. So try and put that pressure into him, kind of force him into throws and stuff like that. So – I can see the Tennessee Titans coming out here with a good game plan. I don't think it's going to be a high-scoring game. I am going to stick with the low-scoring low game, uh, low 20s. Uh, so, yeah, I got the Titans doing this game. They do have the Titans uh, as four-point favorites, and they have the over-under oh, wow. the over at 47.5. So they're with you guys. Vegas is with you guys, and this is going to be a lower-scoring game. I, I don't see a scenario, just from my vantage point, guys, I don't see a scenario where this game is under 55 points. Mm. I think that both offenses are going to bring it. Uh, that's just well, where I'll leave it. That's what I'm saying. It benefits the Titans if it's a lower-scoring game. Exactly. Yeah, so I think that's the only way they really win this then game. That's the way Joe I see Burrow, it If you get a shootout with Joe Burrow and he's you're the better quarterback, yeah, you're going to lose. They're done. Yeah. Um, then our second game in, on Saturday's slate at 7.15 p.m. Central Time, the Packers, the one-seed Packers, and Lambeau Field are hosting the San Francisco 49ers who came off that emotional victory in Dallas that Trevor kind of uh, alluded to just a minute ago in comparison to the Bengals and Titans game. Uh, this is going to be the game for, I think, the second consecutive week that I'm, I'm actually, outside of a Chiefs game, very much looking forward to because um, yeah. these teams are, are, are uniquely matched. So Aaron Rodgers has never beaten the 49ers in the playoffs. He's 0-3 against them. And the 49ers took a very dramatic L to the 49ers in, I think, with week three. Uh, the, the 49ers were leading all the way till I think, oh, two seconds yeah. left. And they were winning 28-27. And M Mason Crosby sunk like a 51-yard field goal. I believe it was like 51 yards. Very end of the game, won 30-28. And you saw Matt LaFleur and Kyle Shanahan, who were really good friends, mm -hmm. had a very cold and pissed off uh, little shaking of the hands at the end because Kyle was pissed because yeah. they had the game won. They had that game won. And here's the thing about that game, guys, that I think that people are overlooking is the fact that they the, the 49ers didn't have Debo Samuel running the ball at all at that point. He yeah. ends up having eight rushing touchdowns at the end of this towards the end of the season and was being utilized in a much different way. They also didn't have Mitchell, their six-round pick. Elijah Mitchell. He wasn't even playing. Yeah. So that now that you have this formidable offense with Mitchell in the backfield, Debo Samuel doing all the things he's doing, which is to me right now, outside of Terry Kill, the most electric player in the NFL, as our guy Mike Mark Gunnell said on Twitter. But the, the the 49ers started the season a lot like the Chiefs did. The Chiefs started three and four. The Niners started out two and four. And I'm and I was like, man, I had the Chiefs and 49ers in the Super Bowl, and both may not even get there. And I'm starting to panic a little bit. But they also finished the season like the Chiefs did. The Chiefs won nine of ten. The uh, uh, Niners won, won eight of ten, mm -hmm. and they really got themselves back into this one. Um, and so, like I said, they already met up. They already did what they already needed to do. The, the 49ers outscored the Packers in the in the second half of that matchup, 21 to 13. Um, and the 49ers finished the season 7th in rushing offense. The Packers ranked 30th in EPA on defense and allowed 109 rushing yards per game. 
And then the Niners went 9-2 and two this season when they rushed for at least 109 yards in a game this season. The weather is going to be bad for both teams. I mean, this they're talking about that. The highest is going to be is like 2 degrees. Mm. And Aaron Rodgers is one of the best quarterbacks in the game throwing the ball in cold temperatures. So I don't think that's going to be a factor for Aaron Rodgers. I think Aaron Rodgers is going to be masterful in this Coast game. Boys. I think they're going to. I think the Packers are going to play very well on the offensive side. My concern for the Packers in this matchup is their defense. Stopping are they going to be able to stop? Because I mean, guys, like I said, the 49ers are nine and two this season when they rush for at least 109 yards per game. And um, I think that this actually, believe it or not, guys, I think this fits the 49ers better. I think this matchup favors the 49ers in this. I picked the 49ers to go to the Super Bowl this year. Jimmy Garoppolo's banged up, but Joey Bosa and Fred Warner have been cleared to play in this game on the defensive side. I think the 49ers are going to pull out this upset. I'm not saying this is going to be a big, like a 35 to 31 kind of game. I actually think, Trevor, like your mentality about the you guys and your mentality with the Titans Bengals, in order for the Titans to win, mm. they got to keep this one, you know, 20 to 17 or 20. 24-23 kind of game. I think that's how the 49ers are going to do it because the 49ers are coming into this game as the motivated bunch. The, t the Packers are super well-rested. It sounds like Bakhtiari might give it a go on left tackle. Their, their defense has not been great, guys, and Jimmy Garoppolo doesn't have to be great for the Niners to win playoff games as we saw just two years ago. I mean, he literally had, what was it, 11 pass attempts? He's, he's been rolling lately, though. Yes, he has. Yeah. Eight pass attempts in a game they won to get to the NFC Championship yeah. in 2019. I don't think Jimmy's going to have a great game, but Debo Samuel is such an X factor in this, guys. Before they let the Cowboys yeah, get back in that game, is. him and Mitchell were dominating the Cowboys, and the Cowboys have a much better run defense than the Packers do, and they were running all over them the entire game. I don't see how it's any different. I think the 49ers are going to run the ball 40 times in this one. Mm. I think they're going to control tempo because, like I said, I think Aaron Rodgers is going to be masterful in this. I think when he has the ball, he's going to look phenomenal. He's going to look like the MVP. But I don't know how many possessions Aaron Rodgers is going to get in this one because I think the Packers, I think the 49ers are going to maintain the ball, keep the ball on their side, and force Rodgers to have to play big-time ball when he gets the ball. I think this is an ugly one. I think the Packers or the uh, the 49ers squeak this one out a lot like the 40, the Packers did way back earlier in the year and get their revenge on the Packers and upset the Packers at home when they're the one seed once again. I think they win this game very close by by a field goal, if that. I already know where Trevor's going, so have at it, man, because we're going to no. disagree on this one, yeah, too. Yeah, yeah, we definitely are. Um, uh, I, th I think it's funny. You, you, the way you see the Titans game going, I see the mm -hmm. other way. And the way you see this game going, I see the other way. I think this game is going to be high scoring. Mm. I think the Niners are going to be trailing the whole time because I think, I think this, this Packers offense is just too good, man. Yeah, they're really uh, good. There's never been an answer to Devontae Adams. And of any team, no one's ever stopped them. No one's ever stopped this duo. And I don't think that starts this weekend, man. I just don't. Devontae Adams and, and, and Aaron Rodgers have one of the most unique connections I've ever witnessed. I mean, you know he's going to him. Yep. You Can't triple him. cover him, and Aaron Rodgers is going to find the spot to get the ball and put it right only where he can get it. Aaron Rodgers, look, I love Patrick Holmes, and I think he's on, on his way. Aaron Rodgers is still the best talent I've ever seen a quarterback. That's my personal opinion. And I just, just from watching the, just from watching him all of his career, I just, I, I think Darren Rodgers is on a mission this year. Um, with all the criticism he's been going through, self-inflicted some of it for sure. Um, I just think he's on a mission, man, to just kind of just say fuck the haters. And I think <laughs> this is what it is. You know, we like him, you love him, you love him, or you hate him. Either way, I think this Packers team is just better. I just think they're better. I know the Niners are rolling. Debo Samuels is one hundred percent a problem, um, but. I think the Packers have the advantage here. I think with the cold weather, that is the advantage for Aaron Rodgers because he's so good at throwing the ball. And the Niners are not a good throwing offense. 
So if the Niners are trailing and they're depending on Jimmy Garoppolo to have to throw them back in this game, they're not going to be able to run as many times as they want to if Aaron Rodgers is going out there and just dealing that secondary. That secondary is not good. The defensive front, the defensive line for the Niners is really good. They get after quarterbacks, but who's great at evading pressure and making plays downfield? Aaron Rodgers is one of the greatest to ever do it, especially at home, especially when it's cold, right? So, and granted, the Niners have had success against Aaron Rodgers, no doubt. Um, but we also know who one of the who's, who's, who loves to choke big games away, and that's Kyle Shanahan, right? He fails in big moments a lot, and it's happened. I, I thought he was going to do last last this last game, but no, they they definitely dominated that game for sure. Uh, but it got closer towards the end. Uh, he let that Cowboys team creep back into that game where they shouldn't have. Um, so you can't allow, allow any 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 extra uh, chances, even if the Niners do have a lead, and they give any Rodgers an extra chance to maybe make this a game and creep back and win it. Because that's what happened this earlier in the year, like you alluded to, when they won with the field goal, Mason Crosby. I think Aaron Rodgers is gonna not gonna. I don't think he's gonna allow it to be that close again. I think this is going to be a high scoring game. I think both teams are gonna put up points because these both these teams are very well coached, very talented teams. Uh, both have really good running games. Both have very good receivers. George Kittle is going to be a problem, I think, for that that uh, Packers secondary because I think this is a this is an opportunity for George Kittle to eat because I don't think they have the safety play in my mind to stop George Kittle and he hasn't really gone off yet. It's been a few weeks since George Kittle had a big game, so I think he's primed. And um, I just think this matchup is like the similar way that you thought that you think that since he's going to do. I think I think Aaron Rodgers is going to go out there and look fresh. He's had a week off. He's got fresh legs. He needed that shit yeah. because his gimpy, you know, his his heel or whatever he's been dealing with. Yeah. Or his toe, yeah. So I think that gave him an extra week uh, to really just rest up, um, go out there and prepare for this ice cold game. Um, I think Devonte Adams is going to be ready. I don't think there's anything you can really do about him. Nor do I think there's really anything you can do about Debo Samuel's the way they use him. He's absolutely a force. Um, but I just think, I think this, is, and it's cool to see, you know, Lafleur and and Shanahan going at it uh, to see that again to have that rematch in the uh, meet up back up in the postseason. So. I think this comes down to weather. I think this comes down to the quarterback. I think this comes down to two head coaches that know each other very well um, as friends, not only as opponents. I think they know each other's strategies. So like, this is this is going to be a team where both these guys are going to get the better of each other. Uh, there's going to be points scored um, via running game, via talent for the Niners, and via quarterback and via elite wide receiver play from the from the Packers and you know a good uh, uh, backfield for the Packers as well. I think Aaron Jones could have some numbers here. Um, but I think a lot of the a lot of this game is going to come down to the arm of Aaron Rodgers, and I'm putting my money on that. I'm going Packers in this game. Uh, why do I, why am I going Packers this game? I, I think this game is going to be more like the Dallas kind of game uh, when the 49ers play the Dallas uh, Cowboys. I think it's going to be 49ers leading up until the third quarter. I think uh, I think they're gonna they're gonna let uh, Aaron Rodgers you know start cooking or Aaron Rodgers is going to start cooking in the third quarter. He's going to start putting that pressure on the 49ers. The 49ers are gonna, you know, uh, get scared and they're gonna gonna pl- uh, try and play with Jimmy G. Mm. They're they're gonna force the the 49ers to throw the ball, and, and I think that's. Uh, this is. I will say this though, real quick, just to throw a caveat in there: the Niners are one of the most non or game script non non dependent upon game script how much they run the football. Yeah. They could be down twenty points and they are going to run and run and run. That's how they. That's how they. First of all, they don't trust Jimmy G to to, to yeah. go win them a game, but they will run regardless of yep. the game script. So I yeah. will say that they're, yeah. they're the best running but, team. It's kind of like with the Cowboys that towards the end we saw uh, uh, Jimmy G start to throw the ball a lot mm-hmm. more when there was no need for it. But the the Cowboys were starting to come back, so I, I feel like the the Forty ers got that felt that pressure. Mm-hmm. And they started trying to try to make those pass attempts even more. And force those throws, and Jimmy G. Obviously, he's not a uh, 
very great thrower mm. of the football. So I think the 49ers are going to be leading this game up until the half 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 uh halftime. Come third quarter, Aaron Rodgers is going to fucking they're going to light it, light it up his ass or something. He's going <laughs> he's going to go off third yeah. third fourth quarter and I think I think the 49ers are going to start feeling that pressure and going to try try and beat the Packers with Jimmy G, and I think that's where they're going to fall short. The Packers are five-and-a-half point favorites, which I do think is a little disrespectful for the Niners. I, I think a three, three-and-a-half would be... I just I love this match. Five-and-a-half. I, I think you, I mean, I think I we all would have... You really think that they're going to beat the... I, I don't think I can, they would beat the Niners by five-and-a-half points. I can, see, I can see it. No, it's going to be close. It's, yeah. it's going to be... It's, it's a cold game. So the over-under is 47-and-a-half, just like the Bengals-Titans. And, in fact... The only game this weekend that is not at 47.5 on over-under is the Chiefs-Bills. I think both these defenses so, are going to struggle. Well, and, they're, and, good, they're good defenses, but I think this weather comes into f- to play, though. I think offensive, offensive weapons players have the advantage here. You, you actually made my point without really even knowing it when you said that the Niners run the ball no matter what. Yeah, they're not no matter what the down and distance is, yeah. they run the ball. Um, and that's actually because I know it sounds pretty hypocritical to anybody that put two and two together when I started this entire segment by saying that you have to go with the better quarterback. And then I picked the Niners, but that's why. What Trevor just said is exactly why. Because of the fact the Niners are not quarterback reliance. Mm. If you look at every other team in the playoffs right now, they are quarterback reliance. Every can, other team. That can also hurt you, though. True, 100%. Because you're going that's against Aaron Rodgers. You're not going against Chiefs, Tannehill or something. That's somebody, why the Chiefs know? beat the Niners in the Super Bowl. Because their quarterback can make the plays the other one couldn't. For sure. So I'm not sitting here saying that if I had to pick this, let's say this was a Super Bowl matchup, mm. I'd, pick the 49, I'd pick the Packers. Obviously, they can't because they're both in the NFC. The point, though, is with, with this matchup being the way it is and how it's all put together with what happened earlier in the season, I think there's a revenge factor. And I think the Niners sure. are going to come into this one trying to finish what they started because they outscored the Packers, like I said, 21-13 yeah. to 13 that second half. I think they get it done. Slugfest, Trent, Williams, Trent Williams is back. He gets a right. second game back. Best offensive lineman in the league. They're going to get their shit. Now, I see Eddie over there smirking. I'm sure somebody's saying I think, some I think, shit. I just but... think rookie running back, they're, oh, they're going to have to depend on Debo and, and George Kittle a lot in the passing game, I think, and short passing and, and Debo's running ability. Because I don't think Elijah – I'm not putting money on Elijah Mitchell, running rookie, a rookie running back. You know, I just – Aaron Rodgers, I think, is going to go do what he does, man. I think he's going to be too I, much yeah, for I just think Aaron Rodgers is going to go out there and start slinging. It's going to be a good game, though. I'm not saying they're going to blow them out or win by 10-plus oh, no. points. I think it's, it's going to be a, you know within one score. Yeah, yeah. For, sure. for sure. And then we have the Sunday slate coming up. The first game of the day is uh, the Buccaneers hosting the Rams. This is also another Week Three match or rematch uh, in which the Bucks yeah, man. dominated or the Rams Rams dominated the yeah. Bucks. Tom Brady did throw for 432 yards on 55 attempts. He had only had one touchdown in that game. And that was with Chris Godwin. That was with Leonard Fournette and Ronald Jones. Yeah. Well, we all know that Godwin's not in this game. And we know that Ronald Jones and Leonard Fournette are game time decisions, I and think. And the right tackles. And, 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 I think they're trending towards playing, though. Well, yeah. And then, and then plus, like I said, the Bucks. Eddie, you already mentioned it. Their offensive line was healthy and elite in that first matchup. Well, Ryan Jensen, their starting center and their best offensive lineman, and then Tristan Wirfs, their second best offensive lineman, may not play in this game. And if they do... They're going to be like 50% of what they were. They both have leg injuries. So that's 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 a real problem for them. And look, the Week 3 uh, uh, matchup showed me a lot about what where these teams both are and how they built their teams. If you look at the way the Saints play the, the Bucks, it's so consistent. That's why they haven't lost to Tom Brady yet, at yeah. least in the regular season, yeah. right? The Saints dominate him on a consistent basis on the defensive side. The Rams have not lost to Tom Brady since he's been the Buccaneers quarterback. They've beaten him two different times, mm-hmm. and they've beaten him convincingly, and they, one of them was with Jared Goff. Well, I don't know if you guys remember what Matt Stafford did in that first game. 
He had 340 yards and four touchdowns. Mm-hmm. He absolutely destroyed that secondary. Did you watch him last week? Well, the dude's rolling. Yeah, <laughs> Matt Stafford now is coming into this game with his first playoff win, feeling better than he ever has in his entire career, more confident yeah. than he ever has in his entire career because he he beat the crowd. He only threw like 15 passes, <laughs> but shoot, torched he the Cardinals. Sharp though, man. That yeah. week one matchup, he had Cooper Cup, obviously, and Tyler Higby. But here's the thing. They added Odell Beckham Jr., who has like 600 yards and five touchdowns in the last like six weeks. Six touchdowns. Six touchdowns. I Paula, yeah. Thank you. And then they got Cam Akers back. Now, I will say this. I talked about this with Darren Smith on his show this week, but I have to, I have to make it a point, guys. And this is actually where I think this game comes down to it. Cam Akers being back, although against a very good rush defense in the Buccaneers, if the Rams can get anything, like where he's averaging four, four and a half yards a clip, Cam yeah. Akers can get those, you know, nice little, you know, second and sevens and, you know, make it short and third and twos, third and ones. This Rams team is not going to get stopped on, on offense. I think Matt Stafford's going to have a better game this time around than he did in the first matchup. I think Matt Stafford's going to obliterate this Buccaneers defense because here's the thing. The Buccaneers' defense blitzes more than any other defense in the league. You know who's the best quarterback in the league against the blitz? Matt Stafford. He had 14 touchdowns to one interception against the blitz this season. By far the best. Even better than Patrick Mahomes was the best quarterback this season against the Blitz. Mm -hmm. So their greatest strength on defense, which is maybe their only strength on defense, is getting pressure on the quarterback and creating habit for the running backs. I don't think it's going to matter. I think Aaron Donald with that banged-up offensive line is going to obliterate Tom Brady in this game. Here's another factoid you guys might want to hear. Tom Brady this season... I'm sorry, uh, Tom Brady, I think in the last two seasons, if I'm not mistaken, when he gets sacked three or more times, is four and six. Actually, that is this season. They're four and six. Any other game, they have they have zero losses when they get sacked fewer than three times. I think I think I think the pack of the Rams are going to sack him four or five times in this game, and you guys know what happens when Tom Brady gets sacked f- multiple times. He starts to pucker up a little bit, makes some mistakes. He can't run. He's not. He's an immobile quarterback. I know everyone's sitting here saying you can't bet against Tom Brady. The Buccaneers are undefeated at home, guys. The Rams are the better team going into this game. They're not the banged up team. They're the healthier team. They got now Whitworth, their left tackle, may not play. I don't think he is playing in this game, but I don't think that's going to be as much of a factor as the Buccaneers having two offensive linemen potentially missing out. They don't have their best wide receiver. Jalen Ramsey can just focus on Mike Evans the entire game, and you know he can shut down any receiver in this league. I think that the Rams are going to win this game by double digits again. Give me the Rams in this one. Finally, we agree. Yeah. This is the only blowout I have in the postseason. Um, I think the Rams are just by far the better team. I think at this point, I think Stafford's been the better quarterback this year. Uh, I just I just love this Rams team. This is why I picked them to go to the Super Bowl this year, and I'm sticking with it. Um, defensively, I think they're, I mean, Aaron Donald's is going to go wreak havoc. Like, I, I agree with everything you just said about that. I think Aaron Donald wants to go after Tom Brady. The greats always want to go against the greats, right? And I think Aaron Donald just knows he's going to want to get after Tom Brady and get in his head. Because once you get in Tom Brady's head, he, he gets rattled. He does. As great as he is, he's been through his career, great as a leader he's been in you know, a lot of good teams, he takes hits, he gets rattled, man. He's, he's kind of a soft guy. We all kind of know this, um, physically at least. <clears throat> so, yeah, I just I think the Rams are just going to go out there and put up points. Point blank period. I'm going to keep it simple. I think they got – not only do they have Cam Akers back, I think they got Daryl Henderson back. They have their whole running – Sonny Michelle still out there playing well. Um, granted, this is a tough team to run against, but if they if the Rams find any semblance of a balanced attack, it's over. Over. If they're able to run the ball and you know four and a half yards a clip, it's over. <laughs> they are not going to be able to stop this passing offense, dude. And this is this has been without Bobby Trees. I know they brought 
uh, uh, Odell back, and he's finally starting to come into his own in this offense, and he's looked good the last couple weeks. So that is a scary thing, too, for this secondary to defend, let alone the best wide receiver in the football this year in Cooper Cup. The, you know, the triple crown. I mean, the guy is incredible. He's doing unprecedented things. Um, <clears throat> so I think McVay is going to have the upper hand here in coaching. I think he's an offensive genius, has been an offensive genius. Um, I think he's going to, I think this team is going to be well prepared for this defense. The secondary for the Bucks is not good. They are very good at getting after quarterbacks, very good at, at, at manipulating blitz packages and getting in and creating pressures. I just don't think it's going to matter, man. I just don't think I think this I think that secondary is going to get fatigued if the the, the, att- the balance attack of this offense uh, of the Rams. I think Stafford's been balling. He's looked he hasn't had to do too much, but he has looked sharper than and he's had than he has all year in my mind. Um, that last game, he looked so sharp making throws that were just crispy, man. Um, so I just yeah, I mean I don't think this I think they're going to win by damn near twenty. I really do. I think this game is over. I think. I, I could I could look back on this take and this could be hot and I could look back on this and be totally wrong and I'll take the L like a man, but I just outright think the Bucks are the worst team here. Not even just because of the injuries, even if they had all their guys, I'm still picking the Rams. Even if they had Godwin, I'm still picking the Rams. Even if they had all their running backs healthy and offensive linemen healthy, everybody was healthy on both sides. I'm picking the Rams because I think they're that. I think just think they're that much better. Um, Grant, I know you got the, the 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 human time machine that is Tom Brady. He's been in the league so damn long. He's seen it all. And that's tough to defend. He will dink and dunk you apart, you know, pick you apart, as Eric Warfield alluded to in our interview here. Uh, but I don't think it's going to matter. I think Tom Brady's going to be trailing half the chase, and I think he's going to make mistakes. And I think this defense is great. Uh, and they got too many good playmakers on both sides of the field. And McVay at the helm calling the shots. I think this offense is going to go put up points, and then the Bucks are just not going to have an answer for it. Man, it looks like we're all uh... – with the same pick on. Do we get a trifecta in this house? I think we all picked the Rams to go to the Super Bowl. Oh, shit. Yeah. No, I didn't pick. I had them not 49ers. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, I had yeah, the 49ers. Right, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, we had this. Yeah, I mean, so this is not Holy a surprise. Holy shit. This, this shouldn't yeah. be a surprise for anybody, man. And then I switched to the Packers because the Packers were just the hotter team. Thank you very much. All well, right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, I think the, the, the Rams are going to go in there and, and show why they're a, a, a real Super Bowl contender in, the, in, in this game. Uh, Tom Brady and the Bucks are coming into a, to a terrible matchup uh, banged up. This this is that kind of matchup that you wanted to have all your stars, all your players healthy, because that's what it's going to take to beat this Rams uh, team, and they're obviously out with uh, one of their uh, top receivers. Uh, their line is banged up. How healthy? You just it, you can't go into this game any more crippled than you wanted to. Uh, Von Miller and Aaron Donald are just going to put the pressure on Tom Brady. Tom Brady is going to have to rely on uh, Evans and and a. Obviously, banged up Gronkowski. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. How healthy is banged up, banged up, banged up uh, Gronkowski? And it's going to be those quick digging dunks, and that's that's the only way I can see Tom Brady uh, really putting putting points on the board. Digging the, but I think this Rams team is just way too good. And I think there's a little extra narrative that no one's really talking about with Brady versus McVay because McVay lost to Tom Brady in the Super Bowl, and this is a good chance for McVay to yeah, kind of like Falcons. you know stick it to him. Yeah. You're like, oh, oh yeah, you you beat yeah. us in a terrible game. He could game. potentially end Tom Brady's career because even Bill Simmons and other people are suggesting this could yeah. be Tom Brady's I think, really I think, his I think, last I think, season. I think I think the locker room for the Rams know that. I think McVay wants to go get this uh, yes, win over and, Tom Brady. They they want to uh, put uh, put uh, Tom Brady on the on the shelves. Yeah, yeah. yeah but uh, I just think the Rams are just a better team, man. They, they have the better weapons. I want them to demoralize them so bad. Yeah, Yeah. Tom Brady, like you said, if he gets sacked early, he gets pressure early. He's he just crumbles, especially at this age because obviously he doesn't want to get hit, he doesn't want to get hurt. Saw in the Saints game, couldn't get a touchdown, man. Yeah, so I do think he's gonna throw a couple touchdowns, but 
I don't I don't see the only way I can see the Bucks literally going out here and winning this game is if the Rams and Matthew Stafford just decided to turn the ball over every Couple single pick time. Couple pick sixes or something. Yeah. yeah. That, that would be the only the only way I can see this Bucks team actually having a shot at winning this game. But I think the overall, the Rams are coming in healthy. They're coming in. The offense is clicking. You got o- Odell coming in and, you know, making this offense a little better than what it was before he came in. He has six touchdowns, I think, in his last uh, nine games with the, yeah. the Rams. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. That's that's good. And you're you're coming into a brand new system, and mm-hmm. for you to get he's coming into his own. Yeah. yeah. So they're starting to finally click. Uh, Matthew Stafford starting to click with it, that with that Odell. So he, you still got Cooper Cup. You got to worry about. Oh, so he's gonna have a monstrous game. And then you have man. Ben Jefferson. Me too, man. They have Ben Jefferson, who's also a great receiver. No one talks about him. You're gonna have to double. You're gonna you're you're gonna double Cooper <laughs> Cup. But then you have to worry about Odell and, and Van Jefferson. And then you got Higby. Oh, dude, and they're, they're, and their, whole, their whole running back crew is back. Man. Cam Akers, like, like yeah, they're yeah, all back, Cam, man. Like I said, the only way I can see the Bucks winning this game <clears throat> is if Matthew Stafford goes out there and just hands Collapses. out pick sixes like Oprah. He's, <laughs> he's like, had games like that. Six, I will say you that. You get but... a pick six and you get a pick. I think that's, yeah. that's the only way I can see the Rams. I would say this. If this, I mean, was, no, no. If this was Matt, if this was Stafford's first playoff game with the Rams, I'd be like, ah, man, like that's a it, lot of pressure. His first playoff game with the Rams against Brady, like, woo! But he already got himself a... Uh, they absolutely kicked the shit out of the Cardinals, a team that beat the shit out of them earlier in the season. They've gotten a lot right. And like you said, o- OBJ's addition, man, has been nothing short of awesome. Vaughn Miller's been Dude, awesome. imagine going against the two like, route-running skills of Cooper Cup and Odell back. I don't want to know that. I don't want to know that. Those are the like, best-skilled route-runners in the league of the same I'm team. I'm so glad dude. that team's on the NFC side, <laughs> man. Like, I think Van Jefferson's going to have a... Huge. That's a good call. Really and good I like that connection. Yeah. I think Van Jefferson's going to like go that call. this game because they're going to have to double Cooper. Cooper Cup is getting doubled no matter Cooper what. Cooper Cup of coffee. Yeah. And then you have Odell, who is who also deserves that respect. Yeah. He's earned that respect. So you're more than likely going to double And Odell Van's had those big blow-up games. Yeah. Yeah. Multiple, multiple touchdown Against games. Against the Bucks. Yeah. Uh, the, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. He had two right. touchdowns yes. in that game. Yeah. That was before Odell. And his dad works for the Bucks. For the Bucks. Yeah. So his dad had to walk on the side, like, up in the field, like, God damn it, kid. Like, I love you, and I'm so proud of you, but fuck you, man. Yeah, like, so, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I think Van Jefferson is going to go off this game. Him nice. And I like it. I like it, man. That's a good prediction. And so, just to say, guys, again, this is a 47 and a half over under. That's what the Vegas has it. And they have the Bucks as a two and a half point favorite, so they're getting the Ooh, home respect. Really? Still. Yeah, they're two and a half point favorites. So get, it I, is I, in Tampa. It it, it's Tampa. And yeah. It's Tom Brady. I, I get it. I yeah, get they're it. getting the respect. I don't, I don't but get it. I, I mean, give give, Super Bowl I'm, I get give it. me give me the Rams outright. Yeah. Like they're gonna win by two and a I mean, half. I'm, I'm and gonna put some yeah. money in this game. Yeah, give they me give me that. Day against Bruce Arians. And now we have the final matchup of the weekend, Sunday Night Football, that we have all been very much anticipating. I think a lot of people had this one penciled as an inevitable playoff push. Anyway, uh, even before the season, I know I think one of you guys, at least one of you guys, had the Chiefs and Bills facing in the playoffs at one point. I didn't. I, I thought the Bills were going to lose before the they got AFC to the Chiefs. Okay, so Chiefs and Bills. Okay, so um, look, when it comes to this matchup, and I have so much to say, and I've been saying it nonstop, man. I don't want to be one of those people that tries to push another team down in order to make the Chiefs sound better or give them the advantage because this team is just not at the same level. But I will be the one that'll be truthful about this matchup because for some reason we can't get that on the national level believe it or not the guy that we usually like to call out about things Colin Cowherd has been one of the people that's actually been truthful about this he's been saying all week long that he thinks the Chiefs are win because Patrick Mahomes is more built for games like this and that's the point I'm going to try to make guys look 
I know that Josh, and this is what I asked Eric Warfield about this earlier in the segment about, I just want to enjoy these young quarterbacks because guys, Josh Allen is so much fun to watch. Watching him do what he did against the Patriots last week was nothing short of incredible. Even though I was completely wrong, I was marveling at that performance. That was so much fun. It was going so well for Josh Allen. He's throwing the ball out, out of the back of the end zone trying to trying to survive. And he catches and Dawson Knox catches it and everything's just going right. What are you gonna say? Uh Kyle Heading just commented poll polls update last check your dms i'm gonna check my dms now but my point in this guys is that and actually yeah, i'm gonna here let's see what our guy kyle henning says a few this is from matthew kohler uh matthew kohler is a reporting covering the vikings at purple insider okay this is a legitimate report from a conversation i had this morning my understanding is that the vikings want ryan poles to be their next gm but it might depend on whether chicago makes him a better offer so we'll wait and see we got a little interdivision rivalry going on vikings and bears should we put a poll on this yeah exactly let's put a poll on polls um Thank you, Kyle, for that man. I really do appreciate it because I was not paying attention to that at all when we were breaking down these matchups. But we got to stay, we got to stay attentive. To that Kyle, do me a solid, man. By the way, go follow the Kingdom Says podcast. They have an incredible, right. incredible show over there. Kyle's their uh, their lead host over there. Please follow them, Kyle. If you get any other updates, man, do not hesitate to hit me up. So thank you so much for that. Going to this matchup, guys. Like I'm saying. I, I enjoyed what Josh Allen did against the Patriots. It was it was phenomenal. I don't think it was the greatest performance I've ever seen, even though statistically it was. But this is why. And I'm again, I don't want to like push down the Bills, but after, I watched this game two two times. I went and watched it again on NFL Network. And something I saw from the, the Patriots, recent, the recent game, yeah, the Bills Patriots. Oh, game. The Bills Patriots playoff game. Yes, the playoff okay. game. Something I noticed about it, and I even tried to confirm it with other people. And I heard others even talking about it later on in the week. Was once the Patriots were down multiple scores. The Patriots laid down. They 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 realized as a coaching staff, we're not going to get back in this game. Yeah. Mac Jones d- just he's can't do it. He's not that guy. He, he's just not. We're, we're, Josh Allen's playing at another level. The Bills are trying to get their win. They're on revenge tour right now. Mm. They're going to win tonight. We're just going to. We're just. It was like a Greg Popovich when he knew the Spurs were getting blown out. He pulled <laughs> Tim Duncan and Parker and Ginobili, and everyone's like, "Damn, they're giving up." Yeah, <laughs> and we, we're just we're not winning this game. Like I think that Bill Jack realized that. Like I'm not even going to waste my time. Yeah. So no disrespect to what the Bills did, what Josh Allen did, but that game was over in the first quarter. That game was 100% over, and the Patriots laid down. You could tell by the way they were playing on defense. It was too damn cold. They're getting shelled. You saw it from the Steelers, too, in the third quarter. Like, yeah. fuck, man, we ain't winning this game. You can just tell, like, the body language. Yeah. I think that had a lot to do with why Josh Allen looked so perfect in that game. And another point that I have to bring up, guys, on the defensive side, and, and just to say one more thing about Josh Allen, is that as great as he is and as fun as he is to watch, sometimes he's unwatchable. You've seen it multiple times this year, even just of the last few weeks. Against the Atlanta Falcons, the man had less than 150 passing yards, zero touchdowns, three interceptions, with a 17 quarterback rating. The only reason they won that game is because the Falcons are absolutely terrible. Yeah. And they didn't have their best wide receiver in that game in Calvary, who's been out yeah. the majority of the season. So they were just, they're a done team. And again, on the defensive side of the Bills, statistically they look awesome you know they remind me of the 2019 patriots when they were just shelling bad teams and shutting everyone down but they would face a deshaun watson and would give up 37 points they'd face lamar jackson and give up 32 points and lose every single time they faced a great quarterback they got beat Mm -hmm. now the bills to their credit did beat the chiefs in week five but as we talked about with eric warfield this chiefs team from 16 weeks ago are a completely different bunch on both sides of the ball. We can all yeah. agree to that, correct? Absolutely. Like we can all agree this is a different Chiefs team. And the last 12 quarterbacks, as I said to Eric Warfield, 
Tua Tungabaloa, Trevor Lawrence, who, by the way, beat the Bills 9-6, Mike White, Carson Wentz, who beat them by 26 at home, but he's not a great quarterback. We saw that against the Jags in Week 8. Trevor Simeon, Mac Jones, Trevor Simeon, by the way, who's a backup to Taysom Hill, uh, Mac Jones, who threw three passes in the game, they still took the L. Tom Brady, the only top 10 quarterback they have faced in three months, yep. absolutely obliterated them, was blowing them out. They, they started playing conservative defense and offense just to get out they of that down game. 20 plus at they half. were down 21 points at half. Yeah. The Bills were just getting absolutely beat, and Tom Brady threw for 363 yards and two touchdowns in that game, and they were running the ball in the entire second half. Mm-hmm. Cam Newton, we all love him here. You know, We all root for him and everything, but he's a terrible quarterback at this point. Mac Jones, who we just talked about again, Matt Ryan, Zach Wilson, and Mac again. Guys, the, the Bills have not been tested very often at all. And the only time they have been, they've lost. Because before that, they got showed by Ryan Tannehill the week before they placed two attack of Aloha. Mm-hmm. So Ryan Tannehill, as we all agree, and, 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 uh, agreed that is not a great quarterback in this league, still put up over 30 points on them and beat them, in, in, in the Buffalo Bills. So I don't mean to take away from what they've done statistically. But Patrick Mahomes now against this team and, and all the weapons he's utilizing the way he has, Jarek McKinnon emerging the way he has. Who we are now. Yep. The Chiefs are going to get what they want on D, on offense. They are going to score points in this game. So this is going to come down to what? Can Josh Allen be what everybody on MTV is saying he is? Can he be in lockstep with Patrick Mahomes? Because the last time we saw these two teams at their best play each other, the Chiefs beat them by 14 points. And that was without 20, that was with only 20,000 people in attendance at Arrowhead. That was before McCole Hardman, McCole Hardman became the player he's become. That was before Byron Pringles become the player he's become. Jerick McKinnon wasn't on this team. Melvin Ingram wasn't on this team. There were several key players in Week 5 that did not play. Now we got all these guys, and they're better than they were a year ago in the AFC Championship. I truly believe this is the best Chiefs team we have ever seen. Ever. I'm not talking the Patrick Mahomes era. I'm talking about ever. Because if we watched in the 90s, there was always these great defenses that were always brought down by bad quarterbacks and bad offense. Then the early 2000s, man, those offenses could score, but those defenses couldn't stop their own shadows. Now this team's complete. Now they have a top 10 defense. Now they have a top 5 offense. There is nobody, and I mean nobody, including the Bills, that are going to beat this Kansas City Chiefs team. I understand the Bills are the best team the Chiefs have faced in weeks, but as you've seen against the Cowboys, when people talk about the Chiefs defense, they were down Mari Cooper, which is a loss. But when you have C.D. Lamb, Michael Gallup, Tony Pollard, Ezekiel Elliott, Schultz, you get held out of the end zone the entire game, get held to nine points with a top-10 quarterback in Dak Prescott? That tells me this defense is for real. When they faced a Raiders team who scored over 31 points six times this season, they held them to a combined 23 points in their two matchups. That's a legitimate defense. I'm not saying this is a world-class defense where they're top three. Not. But they're a top 10 defense that deserves their respect who once again, in their last seven home games, held their opponents to 82 total points. That's a little over 10 points per game. And this offense scored 200 points in seven games. You do the math on that. This is a different team than what they were in week five. There is no excuse for what happened other than the reasons for what that happened. When you half your defense is missing, Melvin Ingram, who dominated Josh Allen in week one for the Steelers, gets to play in this game. He absolutely dominated Josh Allen. He got six pressures on Josh Allen in that week one game. Held Josh Allen 200 yards, no touchdown passes, and an interception. Won 23-16 in Buffalo. Mm-hmm. 
This is the team to beat, not the Buffalo Bills. This is the quarterback to respect and beat in Patrick Mahomes, not Josh Allen. Because in seven playoff games against AFC foes, Again, it was yeah, seven AFC teams. The Chiefs are six and one. Patrick Holmes completes completes sixty eight percent of his passes, averages three hundred and ten yards per game, twenty passing touchdowns to one interception with a one nineteen quarterback rating. I'm not betting against that guy. A guy that in the second from the second and third quarters against the Steelers had three incompletions and five touchdown passes with three hundred and fifty seven yards. Not betting against that guy. I respect what Josh Allen did in that game against the Patriots, but the Patriots laid down, and Josh Allen blew his load against a team that has dominated his franchise for the last two decades. The Chiefs are winning this game by double digits, and I stand by that. The Bills are not in the same class as the Chiefs. Josh Allen is not in the same class as Patrick Mahomes, and I will stand by that until I am proven otherwise. Trevor? Yeah, I just got a quick question for like all the talking heads in national media and anybody who's doubting the Chiefs, and let alone Patrick Mahomes for some point at this reason, or some reason at this point. Um... Are you gonna really put your money on the guy? Are you gonna put your money on the guy? Which one are you gonna put your money on? The guy that is always talked up and is expected to show up and always fails in the big moments? Or are you gonna talk? Or are you gonna put your money on the guy that's always doubted, yet always shows up in the big moments? But my money's on Patrick Mahomes here, man. I don't understand the doubt here. I don't understand the, un, the unwarranted criticism of Patrick Mahomes, who's on his 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 trail here to go to his third straight. Super Bowl, possibly one of this would be we'd be one of what seven teams have ever done that in the history of the NFL. I think it's seven teams, or no, not even seven teams. I think four teams in history that have gone to to back to back to back Super Bowls. The Dolphins, the Cowboys, the Bills, and the Patriots. Yeah, so So a handful of teams. Patrick Mahomes is on pace to make absolute history here once again. Josh Allen's never made it past you know he's never made it past the big game, and why is that? You know, I mean, so look, man. I'm with you pretty much lock and step here. I don't know about winning that big. I think this is going to be an uncomfortable game. Uh, I think this is going to be one of those stressful games because, dude, I just know what the Chiefs do in the postseason. We do win games. Patrick Mahomes wins games. And a lot of times in dramatic fashion. Why is it dramatic? Because we like to be, we like to start slow in the postseason. We like to spot teams 10-plus points first. I hope that doesn't happen. I'm not saying that's going to. I don't think it's going to happen. I think we, I think, I think we understand the urgency here in this matchup uh, because we know what the Bills are capable of. They are a fiery offense. But I do think their defense is a fraud. I do. I think their defense was top-ranked defense this year. They feasted on terrible quarterbacks, dude. It is what it is. Like they te- they feasted on te- backups, rookies, backups to rookies. Yeah. Mike White. You know, like this is this. It's it, the numbers are skewed, and they're without Trey White, dude. That is a huge loss, and no one's been able to exploit that because they haven't faced a good quarterback in order to exploit yeah. it. Because Tom Brady did what they did to them with Trey White. The next week, right. Trey White went down. Exactly. So I. I I just think our offense is, we can talk about their offense all you want and, and the legs of Josh Allen. It is, it is great. But Melvin Ingram is going to be a guy that's going to be on his, on his ass. I'm hoping we use Willie Gay as a spy in spots, which I think is going to happen. I think he's the perfect spy for a Josh Allen because I think he can, he's one of the few guys that can open field talk, tackle Josh Allen. I think he has athleticism and size to do that. I just, I just think the Chiefs are the better team. I don't, we have the better quarterback. We have the better coach. In my mind, I still think we have the better defense up to this point. You can say what you want about but with them being without Trey White and them having undersized linebackers. Yes, they have fast linebackers, linebackers, and and uh, uh, Milano is supposed to be the, the Travis Kelsey stopper. But what has happened every time he fucking matched up? Travis Kelsey got the better of him. Travis Kelsey eats against this team, and I fully expect Travis Kelsey to eat once again. And not only does he eat against the Bills, he eats in the playoffs. Period. It doesn't matter who he's playing, right? So I just think I think Patrick Mahomes is rolling, and Patrick Mahomes being who he is, the better quarterback in this situation. I'm taking the better quarterback who's rolling. Uh, granted, Josh Allen had his game. He had his game last week. I get it. 
it is what it is. He got that monkey off his back, right? Beating the Patriots in a in a big big way. Yeah. Great. I, and I'm a Josh Allen fan. I love He's great for football. He's fun to watch. This is a very well-coached team. I love Coach McDermott as well. But I don't think there's ever been one single season since Patrick Mahomes has been here that a team has beat us twice. Right? We've, been, we've, been, we've, been, we've lost to the Raiders in this era. We've lost to the Bills, obviously. We've lost to the Chargers, but we've never let them beat us twice. And I don't think that starts right now. I don't think that starts in the postseason when we know we're on our chance to make a third straight trip. And I think Andy Reid understands. And I and I want to quote him again with that uh, the greediness. You know, keep it going. More, more, more. I want more. Let's get greedy. If Andy Reid has that mentality, who knows what he has drawn up for this game? Who knows what offensive plays he has drawn up? We saw all kinds of crazy ways we scored this game against. That was against the Steelers. We all were very confident we could have beat them playing a vanilla offense. But no, he went and put all this crazy shit on film. Yep. Who knows what he's going to bust out for this game against the Bills, which might be the, the biggest game of the postseason. Because I don't think the, whoever we face in the AFC Championship, if we do win this game, is going to be bigger than this game. I think this game is a statement game, and I think everyone's going to get up for it. And I think we understand. We have everybody healthy at this moment, outside of a couple running backs maybe being a little banged up. But outside of that, Patrick Mahomes is rolling. Patrick Mahomes, is, I think he's going to dice up that secondary. I think we have a good chance of putting up 40-plus. But I do think the Bills are good enough to keep pace with us because I give them that credit. This is a very good team. Um, and I think they could score in the 30s. But I do think we could score you know, uh, in the 40s, and they, they will remain in the 30s. I have the Chiefs winning this game. Um, I think Patrick Mahomes is going to have an ins- insane stat line. Um, I think we have a good chance of running the ball fairly well. I do. I think, I think we can definitely keep McKinnon rolling. Um, I think he's an absolute problem, and I think he's an absolute problem, especially with this defense that we're facing. They are not good against uh, quick running backs like that in open space. They're not a very good tackling team as far as our linebackers and the uh, go. And I think they're very susceptible to deep th- to deep shots. If they know, I don't know what kind of defense they're going to throw at us. If they try to play a zone, fine. Um, but if, if they give, if there's any any moment where Tyreek has a one on one, bye bye. <laughs> because they are not good over the top. And Tyreek, I think Tyreek and McColl. Uh, Tyreek had 172 receiving yards against the That's what I'm saying. They, they, are one of, they are very susceptible yeah. to deep throws, to deep shots. So I think, man, I think we're going to put up a, a good, handsome number here. I really do. I think we're going to go to 38-40 range. They can they can sneak their, their way into 30-plus as well. I think this is going to be an over 60-point over-under. Uh, I think we're. I think this both. This is class of the Titans, man. This is the, this is the two best teams in the AFC in my mind going at it. Um, this this is the AFC title game in my mind. I think these are the two best teams left here. So it's going to be a game, and I think it's going to be uncomfortable for us. I really think. I think we pull away in the end, but I think a lot of this game is going to be very uncomfortable. There's going to be some things that we don't like in this game, and there's going to be some things we love. Um, but I do like the officiating crew that we have going into this game. They're a lenient bunch, which I'm. The I think, I think they'll let us play penalties in the se- sixteen of seventeen. Right. And teams. Yeah. I will so say, I- man. I will say, Stephon Diggs frightens me. He's an extremely talented route runner, and he's he he's a guy that will feast. Um, Can I say two things? I don't think it's before? gonna be enough. I, I don't want. I, I just want to throw this out here, so maybe you can chew on it a little bit and add to your analysis of this game. That I think the Chiefs had two blessings in disguise at the end of the season. What I mean by that is this: going into this Bills matchup in particular. One, in Week 17, Jamar Chase put up historic numbers against the Chiefs, Mm -hmm. right? Okay, they're going up against a Stephon Diggs who's going to make the Hall of Fame and is in his prime of his career right now at 28 years old. And Stephon Diggs, since he joined the Bills, has the most yards, 1,900 yards against man coverage, one-on-one man coverage in the NFL. Yeah. Okay? So the Chiefs saw what a Jamar Chase can do. And Stephon Diggs is just as good, in my opinion, right now. Now, Jamar could probably go above him, but I think right now they're at the same level. And... 
you saw that Spags like, yeah, we can't do that anymore. So they're going to change that. They're not going to let Stephon Diggs be guarded by Chavarius Ward one-on-one for the entire game. That's not going to happen. They're going to bracket him, right? Also, there was another blessing in disguise that happened in Week 18 against the Broncos when Andrew or Drew Locke ran all over them. Yeah. Okay. Two rushing touchdowns against that game. In that game, you're thinking, what the hell were they thinking? I don't know. But you know what they do now? They look at that film study and say, okay, Josh Allen is maybe the best running run, running quarterback in the league right now, outside of Lamar Jackson. Maybe even with the Lamar Jackson included. So let's use two, three weeks ago studies against the Bengals and Broncos, implement them in this game, and how do we, because the, the Bills can do both of those, obliterate you with Stephon Diggs downfield, and then Josh Allen can go and get himself 70 to, 70 to 100 rushing yards in this game, yeah. like Drew Locke was on pace to do, and get his two rushing touchdowns. I think Spags is going to utilize both of those Look, going into this game. I think, I, I, think, I think it is really simple, and I know you're a guy that likes to ignore context, you know what I mean? So, yeah, yeah, neglected. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but no, I just think it's simple, man. Like I'll, I'll let Eddie have this one, but I just we are a different team since the last time we played, faced these guys, man. We just are. We're a far better team. They were kicking us when we were down. Yep. It's as simple as that. And we had two red zone turnovers. And it sucked. And it was still a fairly close game. It wasn't like they, I mean, they did own us most of the game, but it wasn't like an absolute the Chiefs obliteration. had 392 yards of offense. That's what I'm saying. And we were <laughs> we were huffing and puffing and struggling to every single play to try to make something happen. And we obviously didn't get it done, but defense is far superior than it was then. We were arguably the worst, maybe the worst defense at the time. We didn't have Melvin Ingram. We were without Chris Jones. All these things. I just think this lines up perfectly for the Chiefs to get our revenge. And I expect that to happen. <laughs> Let's, let's, let's hear Eddie. Let's hear Eddie. Because uh, we've had some talks this week. Go ahead, Ed. 100%. Have at it. Have at it. I would love my bias to be speaking for me right now. But <laughs> it's not. I, I would love to pick the Chiefs, the better team, the better quarterback in this game. But I just think the momentum that the Bills are carrying right now, uh, I feel like they are they are due uh, a victory. This kind, this kind of victory in the playoffs. I think Josh Allen is out to prove more than Patrick Mahomes. I, I do agree with that. Uh, obviously, Patrick Mahomes is the better quarterback, the, the more proving quarterback, and I think Josh Allen knows that. And he's going to go in here, he's going to try and demonstrate why he's he can also be considered, he, he can also be put in that conversation. I think he's going to carry this Bills team into Airhead, and I, I do think he's going to get his numbers. Uh, it's going to be a close game throughout the whole thing. But I think it's going to come down to two turnovers at the end. I think the Chiefs are are going to find a way to turn over the ball. Uh, I do feel like uh, they are going to start slow, and I think that's going to that's going to hurt the Chiefs a lot more uh, this game than what the than, uh, than what it did against the Steelers. Uh, they're going to get their points. I do I do believe Patrick Mahomes is going to go out there and you know do his thing, but I think in the end I think it's going to be those tip passes, those those costly turnovers that cost us the game in Week Five because. Like you said, there was two two red zone turnovers right there. That's fourteen points that you can have gotten out of that minimum of six. So, I do think this game is going to be a, a, a close game. Uh, they're both going to back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. But I do think I do expect the Chiefs to start off slow. It's going to hurt them. Bills are going to go up early, uh, and the Bills are just not going to let go. Uh, I think the Bills are just going to keep that pressure, keep the pressure, uh, keep scoring, keep scoring, keep scoring. Like you said, you you said uh, uh, the Jamar Chase thing. I, I think, I think, uh, fuck, what's the <laughs> Spagnuolo? I think he he's more of a stubborn kind of head coach that he sticks to his old ways. I think he will not he will not double covered uh, 
Stefan Diggs. I think that Stefan Diggs is going to get his yards. I don't think it's very, very hard for Spagnuolo to learn in one game. We obviously seen that with Dan Sorensen. It took almost six weeks for, for Dan Sorensen to even be uh, put out the game and put Juan Thornhill in there. He's very stubborn, so I don't see him adjusting to Stefan Diggs maybe late in the game where it's already, uh, you know, like costly turnovers already kind of put you in that situation. Uh, maybe he'll start adjusting then. Uh, obviously, we've seen Drew Locke get his numbers. I think Josh Allen, obviously, like you said, is a better runner. Uh, it could potentially be up there with Lamar Jackson in, in running uh, running the, with the ball. Uh, but, again, stubbornness with Spagnola. He's very stubborn. He does not change his ways. He did not change his ways against the Bengals, and it came back and bit him in the ass uh, the third and fourth quarter. So uh, it's it, it's going to come down, like I said, to turnovers. Uh, so I do I do feel like the Bills are are gonna win this game. I, I will say to, because I I do I had I had some harsh criticisms for Spags throughout the season as well because I I had a question you know being in year three and this being like his actual defense as we all know year three is usually when you have your bunch your unit. I was starting to wonder if he really knew what he was doing with this bunch. And you guys know Tyron came at me. Tyron Matthew came at me about that. And that's okay because he's a leader on this defense. And he loves his d- defensive coordinator. Um, I will defend Spags in this, though. Is that to your point about him being stubborn, when he saw that the Chiefs could not make make that work with Sorensen after playing 100% of the snaps oh, against Jones a team like the Bills, the edge. what yeah. did he do? The very next week... He started Juan Thornhill, and it never changed. And so the only game that Sorensen's even had where he's played over 60% of the snaps was against the Raiders in Week 14 when the Chiefs won by 39 yeah, points but, when it was garbage time. But then I can come back at you and say, how long did it take for Sorensen to be benched? That's my point, is that it took five weeks. Okay. And then the but Chiefs... that's what I'm saying. Yeah, you, yeah, you, I know. You see the stubbornness. Yes, the stubbornness and, was there, but this is a different magnitude because now we're talking about if you lose this game, your season's done. No, I, they could experiment with and, things and, throughout the season. And I get it. And we saw against the Bengals, if he had adjusted and did uh, and uh, had double covered Jamar Chase for a good portion of this game. We could have we could have seen a different end result. No offense, but game. I mean, we could talk about a couple games where he he took him a minute to adjust. But we literally went from the worst defense in the NFL to a top five unit. No, like, I, I think he made the proper it. adjustments to get to where we're at right now. And I think you know identifying that Chris Jones didn't belong on the edge, bringing him back. Getting Melvin Ingram back into the mix and allowing him to do what he does, I think I think Spags no, is a I, lot I, I of credit from one of the take, changes that we made no, from week four I, on. No, I get it. Yeah. But I, what I'm saying, it takes more than just one game for him to make those changes. He does not make a change in one game. It takes him weeks for him to make those kinds of changes. I do. Did, I, I don't did care. He learn I, from the Bengals game. I don't know. Even no. if we play, if we do our normal thing, and Stefan Diggs does get his numbers, that doesn't always matter. You, you, he can have great numbers in a losing effort. Yeah. As long as they're chasing us, I don't really care. Well, because Jamar Chase, Jamar Chase had almost a 200 yards receiving in that game. Mm. When, no, no, he had 266, but at 200, the Chiefs were still winning that yeah. game. It took a it took a last minute field goal for them. No, to we win got that screwed game. in that. I don't no, I, get, I, I get it. I get. I, like I, you yeah, can have yeah. a perfect game, but but like I said, it's not going to come down to Stefan Diggs or, or Josh out. I think it's going to. It's going to come down to turnovers. I think that's what's going to kill think, the Chiefs. I think what Trevor's game. question, though, in, the, in that res, that respect is, if if Spagnola is is so stubborn that it hurts the Chiefs, how did they get from that point to this point? Like, what what changed? Was it's it just, not coaching decisions? 
Because that's what changed. They moved Chris Jones back in. They went and got Melvin Ingram. They used Juan Thornhill as a starter. Like, yeah. a lot did change. No, I get it. I think he's earned my trust, man. No, that's I all I'm it, saying. But we're talking about one game, cha- uh, changing his ways from one game. We're not talking changing his ways from the season. I think we were just feeling, or honestly, early on in the year, I think we were feeling out a lot of things defensively. And we knew that, that it weren't working. And we got guys in the proper positions. We moved Chris yeah. back, Jones back into where we know he's great. And we started playing Juan Thornhill more and things. I think we I'm just. Not, I'm, I get, what you're, I get what you're saying. I mean, our offense was struggling Chiefs. too, yeah. so we can blame Andy Reid. Fucking great yeah. team. Yeah. I just think right now that, like I said, I think the Bills are going to win this game because of turnovers, not because they're going to outplay the Chiefs. Not because it's going to come down to short turnovers, kind of like what the Chiefs had been dealing with in the first five six weeks. That's that's what I think that's going to come down to. Not okay. because they did one so, back better than the other. Okay, All so right. now we go to key players. Um, I want to give you guys mine. I'm actually going to cheat the system here a little bit because one of my key players is actually a unit. Um, or actually a matchup, if you will. So the, the the key, one of the keys to me, and I don't think anybody's really talked about it outside of my guy, Real Bird Lawyer on Twitter, which I highly recommend everybody gives him a follow. He's incredibly informed, and he knows his stuff when it comes to Chiefs football. It's something I've actually been thinking about as well. The Chiefs have a significant advantage at both offensive line and defensive line in this matchup. I think the Chiefs offensive line can push around that Bills front seven. I really do. We've yes. seen them do it. Last year with a much worse offensive line. Now, the Bills did go and draft Russo. They did go and add some guys to their defense. But how shitty they have to be for the Bills to go watch that draft. Like, they're drafting these guys and getting these guys. And then the Chiefs go get Creed Humphrey. And then Trey Smith. And then Joe Tooney. And then Orlando Brown Jr. It's like, fuck, man. Like, all of our moves just got totally washed out. I think the Chiefs have a significant advantage in offensive line in this game against their defensive line. And on the flip side, with Melvin Ingram already dominating Josh Allen before, getting Chris Jones in this game for the first time against Josh Allen this season, and what he did against him in that AFC Championship and all those pressures he put on him. Guys, I I think the Chiefs are going to dominate both sides of the ball. And when you have Patrick Mahomes as your quarterback with two healthy all-pro receivers plus the advantage at defensive line, offensive line, and the advantage at head coach, you're going to have to convince me otherwise. So that's the key right there. Also, I don't know if you guys have been paying attention but Travis Kelsey's on the on the verge of some historic numbers here, okay? Not only that, I'm going to get to that in just a second, but I don't know if you guys remember what he did in that AFC Championship against the Bills last year. It was an historic game. He had 13 receptions, which is the most ever by a single player in playoff history for a single game. 14 recep- 13 receptions. Yeah. He had 118 yards and two touchdowns. No tight end in the history of the NFL has had a stat line like that in a playoff game, let alone a conference championship game. So that's that's one. So he owns. Most receivers and, don't have And that was like with that. Matt Milano, and yeah. Matt Milano's in this game too, and right. he dominated yeah, the Matt Milano. Stopper. They don't have Trey White that they can just go put on Travis Kelsey and just hope for them. the best. Yep. So you can't do that anymore. Guys, Travis Kelsey has seven 100 receiving yard games in playoffs in the play in his playoff career. If he does that again this week, he ties Jerry Rice <laughs> for the most 100 yard games in playoff history. Yeah. If he gets 100 yards in this game, he's the only player in playoff history to have five consecutive 100 yard games. The only players that have tied him is Antonio Brown and Larry Fitzgerald. Like. Travis Kelsey is going to start putting himself in a different stratosphere. And I think he's motivated by that, but also the fact he's motivated by multiple things that happened in the last in, in the last 24 or 12 months, I should say, where he talks about how that Super Bowl embarrassment still haunts him to this day and it's been motivating him off season. And I don't know if you guys remember, he took a massive hit, a cheap hit, by by uh, Poyer, one of the, the safeties for the, the Bills, at the end of that game where he... 
He went up and checked him right in the neck and jacked up Ty- or Travis Kelsey. I don't understand why Andy Reid still had him in that game. Yeah. The fact is, Poyer put a dirty hit on him, and I don't think Travis Kelsey's forgot that. So knowing what he's done to the Bills already, and then having the revenge factor in mind, knowing also what happened in the Super Bowl and how they were humiliated, guys, I think Travis Kelsey's going to have a, a repeat performance of what he did in the AFC Championship. I think he's going to have 10-plus receptions, 100-plus yards, and multiple touchdowns in this game. Because I, I think Patrick Mahomes is going to be damn near perfect in this one. I know you're calling turnovers. I don't see it unless there's just some fluke play that happens. With Jerick McKinnon coming out of the backfield and being as effective as he was last week and, and, and as great as Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill looked in that game as well, six guys catching touchdowns in that game this offense is going to be unstoppable i think the offensive line the defensive line for the chiefs are going to be key components to them winning this game and travis kelsey is going to have a hall of fame hall of fame performance in this one those are my keys yeah i mean you kind of stole my thunder a little bit but no 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 but you you you, t- you took the whole unit i'm just going to take the unit that 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 makes the whole unit work on defense uh and that's chris jones i think chris jones is just going to do what he always does with josh allen and i think it's going to be maybe he might not have his individual numbers but he's going to be the reason why that pocket collapses very quickly for josh allen forcing him to run into the Melvin Ingrams into the Frank Clarks. I think we're going to do a really good job of containing him. I think our defense and Eric Warfield alluded to it. You know, that's up to the defensive front to to keep him, you know, from escaping and running. Granted, that is a tall task, literally and figuratively as a big man to stop. So um, I I, I think Josh Allen's going to try to use his legs for sure. When that, when that pocket collapses and he's one of the best guys at running the ball in open field and he's very tough to bring down and he will run through defenders. I, I just think Melvin Ingram knows what he's capable of doing against Josh Allen. He did it when he was with Pittsburgh when they beat them um, in Buffalo. So I think Chris Jones is going to wreak havoc up the middle. I think he's going to make Josh Allen very uncomfortable all night. If anybody's been as hyped on this roster, it's good. it's been Chris Jones. The dude has been absolutely just a madman out there, and I love it. And that's when Chris Jones is playing like that, that makes these, this entire defense just flourish. The secondary and the defensive front alike, they, everyone does so much better when Chris Jones does his job accordingly. I think he's going to go out there and make Josh Allen and that, even if they're double teaming him, that's allowing Frank Clark and Melvin Ingram to get that much more of an opportunity to make plays. And I think he's going to be the key cog in this defense making plays and, and forcing turnovers. But on the other side, the, you know, according to Eddie, he thinks the Chiefs are going to be having the turnovers. I think Josh Allen is more turnover prone in my mind. So, um, I think that's what's going to be the case with the defensive side. Um, and I will throw a caveat in there. I think Willie Gay could have, have a chance to make it have a big game here too. Uh, with everything that's going on with him right now, it could be very distracted. But I think Willie Gay has a chance to make a lot of plays here and possibly being a spy for Josh Allen, Josh Allen as well. So, um, And then on the offensive side, I want to pick Travis Kelsey too. I think he's definitely destined to have a great game here. He tends to have good games against the Bills, and that and they don't really have much of an answer for him. They also don't have an answer for the guy named Tyreek Hill. I think Tyreek Hill, like I alluded to earlier when we were talking about this game previewing it, they are susceptible to deep, to deep throws and fast receivers. Tyreek Hill is, in my mind, the best at that in this league. Um, and I think Patrick Mahomes is the best at finding guys down the field like that. So... I think that duo, and we saw it, man. We saw that deep shot, and Tyreek got that touchdown this past week um, against another good secondary. Um, so I think Tyreek's going to absolutely feast. I think he's going to have 130-plus receiving yards. I think he's going to have a touchdown or two. I think this is a Tyreek Hill game. Uh, I think they don't have an answer for him, especially by being out. I mean, you lose a talent like that, a guy that can stay with Tyreek, and is, he could, could be the guy that you know to help keep him capped. I don't think they have anyone out there that can do that to Tyreek. Even if they try to bracket him and double-team him, when the play breaks down, 
Patrick Mahomes was moving around the pocket, escapability, look, keeping his eyes downfield. He's looking for two guys. It's Travis Kelsey and it's Tyreek Hill. And I think Tyreek Hill is going to get the best of the secondary and he's going to absolutely go off. So Tyreek Hill for me. Listen, man. I, mean, I gotta get, I, I'm going to say this right now. <laughs> no. I'll be the happiest person in the world if I have to take a nail next week. <laughs> Let me show you what Eddie's doing real quick. It's, no. called, it's called moonwalking. No. I'm, I'm a Chiefs fan. I love the Chiefs. Is Billy Hodge already DMing you? No. Okay. But but I'm saying I'll be the happiest person to take an L next week. That 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 will be the happiest day of my life. Tell us your two bills you think are going to dominate the Chiefs. <laughs> I'm going to go with uh, Josh Allen and uh, Stephon Diggs. Why Josh Allen? Because Josh Allen has more to prove. He has more to prove in this game than anybody else. Uh, I I would say that in the playoffs in general. I think Josh Allen has to prove his worth, and and I think this is that game to make make it a statement that you know he's here in this league for years to come, and and he's gonna be one of those quarterbacks that you're gonna have to worry every single time you face him in the playoffs. So I do think Josh Allen's gonna go out here and just do his thing. He's gonna he's gonna rush. He's gonna make make those passes. Uh, why choose Stephon Diggs? If we remember back in the AFC Championship game. Stephon Diggs stood out there and saw the Chiefs uh, obviously lift that uh, Lamar Hunt trophy. There's hunger. There's anger in that, mm-hmm. in that man. And I do think he's going to go out there and do, do everything in his power to win this game. And I think him and Josh Allen are just going to click from the very beginning. And that's what's going to push this, this team to score those points that they need. So... I'm going to go with Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs. I will tell you guys, the line right now is Chiefs minus one and a half, which I think is absolutely disrespectful to the Chiefs, and yeah. I think the Chiefs know that. There's been a lot of... It's just di- because they lost to the A lot of disrespect. Year, Eddie's not alone here. Uh, our guy from Arrowhead Pride, BK, picked the Bills in this one. He just dropped that on oh, his wow. Twitter account. A lot of motherfuckers want to be wrong this week, and our guy Eddie is one of them, so I, I, I appreciate it. I just want to say it. this, man. <laughs> I, I believe when it comes to coaches, I believe in track records. What, what the resume says about them is huge. With Andy Reid, everywhere he's been... When it, whether it's with Philly or since he's been in Kansas City, what has he done? What has he consistently done on a consistent basis? He has owned the division. He owns the teams that he knows. He owns the teams that he prepares for the most. The Bills have become damn near a divisional foe because we faced them numerous times. They caught us last time. Again, since Patrick Mahomes has been here and, and track record of Andy Reid, he doesn't let teams beat him twice in one season. He just doesn't. This is why he owned his division when he was in Philly. This is why he's done nothing. Alex Smith or Patrick Mahomes has owned the division since he's been here outside of the Peyton Manning years. I'm taking the track record of one of the greatest, if not arguably the greatest talent coach, mind-wise, in the NFL has ever seen. Andy Reid is right up there with the, all the greats. His track record speaks for himself. He does not let teams beat him twice. I'm not saying it can't happen. I'm saying on the balance of probabilities, I'm taking Andy Reid and the better quarterback to go win this game and not let a team beat them twice. When we've had this time to prepare for them again, we knew we had a good chance of facing them again in the postseason. You don't think Andy Reid's ready for this game? Give me Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes over Sean McDermott and Josh Allen. Andy Reid is also 16-8 and eight versus his former assistant head coaches or former assistant coaches. He's 2-2 two and two against uh, Sean McDermott, but one of those losses was the Alex Smith's final season when the Chiefs put up nine points. Yeah. So that, that you really don't even want to include that one in the Mahomes-Josh Allen era because neither one was the starting quarterbacks for either of the respective teams. Uh, there's also truth to the fact you do you are right to an extent about the Andy Reid doesn't let teams beat him twice in the same year. The only team that's done that to the Chiefs in the Mahomes era was the Patriots 
Patriots in 2018. Oh, they yeah. beat them 43 to 40, and then they had to go into overtime in the AFC Championship. Pat didn't even get the ball in, this, right. in that overtime. Regardless, the, the majority of the time you are correct. And when again, when you're winning 67 percent of the time against your assistant and your former assistant head coaches, my money's on that guy. Especially when Patrick Mahomes, the only playoff losses he has is against Tom Brady-led teams. Right. I'm going to put the money on him, but. I respect Eddie for standing his fucking ground. This on is going to be a game, like, boys. If you like the Bills, you, I mean, you strap stand in. By that. This I like is going to be. A, I'm not expecting the Chiefs just to go out there and just dominate them from the start. I'm like, going to look in the camera game. and tell you guys right now: the Chiefs are going to win this game by ten points. I know I had my uh, bad, rough uh, Saturday last week, but I went four and zero in the final. Just don't four post games, the, so. the Charles Barkley gift, please. Just. <laughs> Don't yeah. curse us like I that. I was thinking about it, but you Do know. Do not curse us like out that. Out of respect to Trevor, I will say, guys, before we uh, move to our final segment of the day, uh, my guy Kyle Henning did hit me up and said it looks like EB in Denver doesn't uh, – there's no EB in Denver, which does make him sad. Thank God. Uh, Benjamin Albright did tweet out. He's a pretty well-connected guy, I guess, in Denver. I'd suggest the Broncos head coach finalists, after wrapping their 10 interviews yesterday, are Dan Quinn, Jonathan Gannon, and Nathaniel Hackett. Give me all three. <laughs> I would love any yeah, of those I signings I as a Chiefs fan. I was all for keeping Vic Fangio, you know, but if you guys want to go and get Vic Fangio light and go get Dan Quinn, you guys go ahead and do that. I appreciate the Broncos <laughs> for what they're about to do. We have one final order of business to get to. It is called... Hold this L. Each and every week, we finish off the series of L, series. We finish off the show with a series of L's in the world of sports. Whether they're friendly or unfriendly L's in the world of sports, we promise you, who's ever holding those L's in the world of sports, deserve those motherfuckers. Let's go with Eddie Ortiz, Mister Yo Yo Yo. Who's held Neil for you this week? And is it F one? Oh man. Oh, before before I, uh, I'm gonna read uh, Kyle Hannah. He's going he's going to edit on me. <laughs> <laughs> You're getting the you, business, Eddie. my boy Kyle Eddie. Yeah. He said, they're going to find out. Bend against 15, especially in the plans of Temple Idea. I don't know, bro. He's like, so if I'm understanding correctly, Eddie's whole basis is the Bills are going to win because to quote the SEC, it just means more. <laughs> <laughs> That's right, Kyle. Get him, motherfucker. Get him. Yeah, we got Billy Hodge and Kyle Henning on your ass now, bro. Shit. Sorry. Oh, shit. <laughs> hey, this is the first time I picked against the cheese in a while. Okay? Yeah, it's probably since been that been that Bucks game, the regular season game yeah. last year. I think so. Yeah. So, <laughs> all right, man. This is uh, I, I wanted to give a out a, a, a L, but seeing this story, and uh, obviously, in my my sport that I love, soccer, was just you know it was a no brainer. I'm gonna give a give out a W, to uh. To a player, uh, Dutch player, and uh, I'll have to look his name up. But this player was uh, his team was uh, his team Excelsior was playing uh, Ajax uh, in uh, the Netherlands, the Dutch the Dutch uh, Cup. Yep. In the Netherlands, and they were down nine zero. And this player who plays for Excelsior was being substituted in in the eighty uh, ninth minute. Uh, Excelsior was losing 9-0. And why this is a, a touching story is because he's currently battling uh, uh, fibula cancer. Fibula or what is it? Uh, yeah. It's fibula or tibula. He's got bo- cancer in the bones? Yeah. Uh, oh, so shit. it started It started uh, with a discomfort in his calf. And they, they found a, a tumor, a cancerous tumor in there. Oh, uh, so he's, he's been battling, uh, I think it's fibula cancer. I think that's what they call it. I saw the story earlier, and uh, I was looking at it here. Uh, Nobody's on. safe, man. Yeah, so I was looking into that. Uh, let's see. Uh, 
And his fibula. Yeah, fibula. Shit. So fibula cancer. He's 20 years old. Oh, uh, man. He's a forward. But when, when both teams realized he was coming, he's doing chemotherapy as, uh, as of right now. Uh, and right before he came in, both teams saw that he was coming in. And they made this uh, kind of like a, what teams do to champions, kind of like this victory like a, tunnel like type of thing. Like a tribute kind of thing? No, it's like a victory oh. tunnel type of thing yeah. where they both line up. Yeah, gotcha. And they walk through the middle. Yeah. So both teams, including Ajax, lined up like that. And they welcomed him, welcomed him, welcomed, welcomed him mm-hmm. into the game, which was fantastic. It was, it was a, a, a very, very, very uh, 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 sentimental moment for touching, for, yeah. t- touching moment for yeah. for many. And I gotta give this player a a, a, a W, man, because playing through cancer, especially it's soccer, a, it's man. a big, it's a big, it's a big thing. Yeah. And, he said he's he's gonna come back and you know uh, obviously play uh, get better as, as let's hope man on. he progresses yeah, yeah. and uh, his name is Devin, Devin Plank so he was diagnosed with cancer one year ago so well I mean he's twenty years old man he's he's got a his immune system is obviously conflicted right now yeah, with so. the cancer but I mean if anything he's got he's young to where yeah. his body can probably you know he's got an abundant yeah. amount of white Hopefully blood cells they quick too to, hide, yeah, to so, help fight that shit off that's terrible so, though man yeah, so nobody's safe for us it sucks yeah so him coming in obviously they were losing nine zero but him coming in and obviously Ajax's paying that that, that that honor to yeah, him absolutely so I'm gonna give him a W for that absolutely right. so Trevor Twiddle who's holding the L for you because. Man, we gotta, whew, we gotta ramp back up on that one. That was yeah. that was that was tough, Eddie. I appreciate you bringing that up, though, man. Honestly, um, yeah, I'll definitely bring it back with this one. Um, <laughs> we didn't touch on it during the show. Obviously, we had a lot to talk about today, but uh, this L is going to be held by all of the Dallas Cowboy fans, <laughs> by Des- Dak Prescott, by the front office, by the ownership. I mean, where do I start? <laughs> right? They were the favorites, I believe, going into that game. They had all they were rumbling and tumbling with all their momentum. They were balling out there. Putting up fifty plus points and just putting the you know the foot on the throats of teams. McCarthy was sitting on the sidelines, <laughs> doing his little thing. <laughs> it's the yeah, like yeah, just run it up on those boys. You know, keep Dak until the fourth. And you know, it's, they have fifty plus points. Dak's out there playing on the fourth. Like, what the f- <laughs> okay, I knew I knew what was coming. We all liked the Niners in that game. Paddock, baby. <laughs> yeah. So exactly, Dak. Look, I like Dak Prescott. As a player, I'm not really sure about his personality after what's come out those last couple of days, and I'm going to touch on it in just a second, but. He crumbles in the playoffs, man. Like he's had he's had one really good performance in the playoffs, and where they got that W against uh, who was that against when they when they won that game, uh, his one and only playoff game. I can't remember who it was against man. Seattle. I don't remember either way. It doesn't matter. I can look that up. It doesn't really matter either way. He has that one game, one win. Congratulations! But most of the time when he's been counted on and need and dependent on, they need him to be what he was, what he is, what he's expected to be. What he they is beat during. Seattle. Good call, Eddie. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. And that was a that was a. Seattle team that was struggling, um, especially defensively. Anyways, went out there and had an absolutely trash performance. He was the reason they blew it in the end. He did that scramble for the run and, and, and went down in the middle of the field, didn't run out of bounds, didn't angle his body to run out of bounds. He ran up the gut, and the, the clock ran out, and he didn't even give the ball to the official. Like, that's just, that was a absolute brain lapse, brain fart. That was his fault. Yeah. Right? The game ended because of him on that play. He could have threw the ball away. He could have done something else. No, he ran up the middle, kept the ball in play, didn't give it to the official, handed the ball to his center like a jackass. You should know these things. This should be muscle memory. The play is over. You give it to the official. Everyone does it. 
The play's over. The receiver catches the ball. They flip it to the official. Running back goes down. They get up. They flip it to the official. Quarterback scrambles. You get up. You flip it to the official. Crazy yep. thing is that OC called that play, and then my corner yeah. gave it a go. That's what I'm saying. This, so this is this is why yep. it's not just Dak. It's it's the entire entity yeah, of the like, fans. Because oh, we'll get to the fans. The fans throwing beer cans, batteries, whatever they can grab. Their tears, you know, throwing all their everything onto the field. I mean, they're throwing their own players. Demarcus Lawrence had to block a fucking beer can from hitting them, but it's just, I mean, that's what I'm saying. Like I told you, when we saw that live, yep. I was like, man, if he could have easily just let that beer can hit him, he could have charged somebody for assault. If he wanted to be petty as fuck, his mm-hmm. own fan base is throwing shit at him. They're throwing things at the refs. The refs were the, the, the name of the game or the the, 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 the talking point after the game as if Dak didn't blow that game, as if that OC made that terrible call to absolutely blow the game. The refs were not that bad. That no, the refs were fine. The Cowboys were just trash. The Cowboys were getting absolutely they were the most owned. Of, they were the most penalized team the entire season, they got, so them getting penalties. Bro, they got pants. They were legitimate penalties. They got pants yeah. on national television, and they are salty as fuck, bro. That's the that's what all this is. And then Dak Prescott wants to go out there and say, "Oh, credit to them, credit to them." When asked about the fans throwing shit at the refs, yeah, not can, even knowing that they were throwing that. shit at their own that. players. As buttoned up as a guy bro, Dak is, that bro, was pretty. Yeah, that was bad. Cowboy fans, listen to me. You are not America's team anymore. Fucking give it up. You guys have. You guys, it's been a decade, decades since you've been America's team. More than that, it's insulting. You're not America's team anymore. And I know, and I have some good friends that are Cowboys fans. And they're good people. And they're well spoken. Fans, they acknowledge the you know the discrepancies in their fan base and the, the, the performances from the team. I mean, it is what it is, man. Like you got to be able to take your L. Dak, you know, supporting the fans who are doing the shit they did is a terrible look. He got fined twenty five k for it. He's come out and rescinded his comments. Good for him to do that. That's as he should. But you shouldn't have to get fined twenty five k in order to come out and say make that statement. It was embarrassing, man. As a as an NFL fan, it was embarrassing to not only see the fans doing that shit. I hate that shit. I hate that toxic shit with fans like like that. Just it's so stupid. You got to be. I mean, I know people are in, drunk, whatever. There's a lot of expectations for this Cowboys team. There were a lot of Super Bowl chatter behind this Cowboys team from a lot of people, for whatever reason. I never believed in them, but for Dak as a man to come out and support that kind of those kind of actions, that just shows you the pure salt that he he was carrying after that game. Go ahead. Oh, the crazy thing is that he has the same uh, Dak Prescott has the same record in the playoffs as. In his first six seasons, six seasons as uh, Tony Romo, mm-hmm. yeah. In the first six, seasons. oh Tony, dude, don't even Tony Romo's a better quarterback in my mind. Either way, um, <laughs> I mean, I mean, Dak, Dak has Dak's probably going to pass him in a lot of stats. Or don't get me wrong, but I think Tony Romo. Either way, that's not even who cares. Um, it's the Cowboys, not America's team. Um, so, <laughs> fans, try not to be trash, please. Dak Prescott, please. I mean, I, I, the comments are just unacceptable, man. You can't support that kind of shit. You, it's, I understand you're salty and you lost. You blew it, though. You did that. You blew the game. Take responsibility as the leader of that team. And if that's the kind of guy he is, I don't expect this team to ever do anything, ever go far. If that's the kind of leadership he's going he's gonna to portray. So, coaching, fans, Dak Prescott, anybody who's affiliated with the Cowboys at this moment, do me a solid favor and hold this L. Good one. I might follow up with that on something else. Um, so, I actually want to give a W out as well. You guys know how much I have been a an adamant defender and fan of uh, Matt Stafford. Mm. Um, because I think that he is one of the most overlooked and, quite frankly, one of the most disrespected players we've seen in NFL history. This guy's got almost 60,000 career passing yards. He's got over 250 touchdowns. 
And yet this guy gets talked about like it's laughable that he could ever be considered to be a Hall of Famer. And the biggest reason why is because of the same thing we talk about all the time for any quarter that has any level of greatest success in this league. It's not about when you go in the draft. It's about where you go. Patrick Holmes, as great as he is, was absolutely 100% without question fortunate to be tra- traded up and get and drafted by by the Chiefs to come here with Andy Reid and everything like that. Imagine if he had to go to the you know, the, the the Lions themselves. Texans. Imagine him going out, yeah, going to a horrible ran franchise. Yeah. He might still put up numbers, but he wouldn't have the success, even though he is truly a great quarterback. That's what I feel happened to Matt Stafford early in his career. For instance, can't close your ears. He t- he, t- he took yeah. he took. He took, yeah, Ken, Ken Swanson, if you're watching, keep watching. The, and, and Matt Stafford, his career took the Lions to three different playoff appearances. Mm. That's as many playoff appearances they had from 2000, from 1995 to 2010. That's a horrible franchise. And Matt Stafford lifted them as far as he could. And now he finally, finally, at age 33, gets a chance to play for a franchise that's worth a damn with a coach that's worth a damn talent that's worth a damn across the board. And what do you know? They get themselves a playoff win. And now they look like a team that could get to the Super Bowl. Maybe maybe even win it. Mm. And it had everything to do with Matt Stafford. The changing of the guard from Jared Goff to Matt Stafford. This team looks completely better. And it's credit to him. And because of that, he deserves credit to get his first playoff win. I think he's going to get his second playoff win. You both agree he's going to get his second playoff win. And it's so coincidental. You finally get a team around you, success follows. So I'm giving a W to my guy, Matt Stafford, who has deserved W's far beyond what he's gotten in this point of his career. And I think he's going to get a lot more before it's all said and done. Now, my my, <laughs> my L is going to kind of piggyback off what Trevor said. And it's going to go to one particular person who's been retired for a long time. And he's a well-beloved uh, cowboy. And his name's Troy Aikman. <laughs> Troy Aikman's had himself a rough week. First of all, Famous last show. week in the wild card round, he didn't get him and Joe Buck did not get the Cowboys 49ers game. Mm. They didn't get that one. They got the Buccaneers Eagles, and that was a horrible game. And Troy Aikman was bitching on the broadcast about, yeah, there's probably a lot of people that probably wanted me to call that Cowboys game. No. No, Troy. I wish you did so you could see it. Nobody wanted you to call the be- the most important game of the week in a lot of people the game of the week <laughs> because you're not very good at your job. You're very bland, you're very boring, and you work with Joe Buck. Enough, yeah. enough said. Your but eyes here's, look weird. But here's, here's, yeah, you look like the pale Jay-Z. <laughs> here's, here's the weird thing about Trey Aikman and, and his stance on things. And this is what pisses me off about this whole success stuff. Is that some quarterbacks get the success they don't deserve or didn't really contribute to all that much. Talk about it. And then they want to act. Like, they got some platform to talk about other quarterbacks that maybe didn't have the same successes. In particular, quarterbacks that have followed him in his own franchise. In particular, Tony Romo and Dak Prescott, who are both significantly better as an individual quarterback than Troy Aikman could have ever dreamt of being. So Troy Aikman got a chance to get on his platform this week, and according to PFF, who I don't like quoting very often, but they actually made something worthwhile, uh, Troy Aikman didn't hold back in his thoughts on the Cowboys team this season. Quote, if you didn't do anything this postseason, then you're no different than the Jaguars or the Jets and they that didn't get in. So let me uh, let me go ahead and show you guys because I think it's hilarious that Trey Aikman talks as if he isn't one of the luckiest average quarterbacks in the history of the NFL to be alive during the Cowboys golden era. I think we all would agree that the Cowboys would have won four or five Super Bowls with Tony Romo Absolutely. in the in the 90s. They would have won Shit. at oh, least yeah. three Super Bowls with Dak no. Prescott, even though, to your point, Trevor, he has crumbled. But I think a lot of it's been about what's around him, not what's in him. Oh, yeah, yeah. Dak's a good, coaching, a good team, all that shit, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. 
Okay, let me uh, let me go ahead and run by um, Troy Aikman's all-time numbers and where he ranks all-time. Can we guys want you guys down real quick? Okay, let's do that. Uh, he's thirty-first all-time in completions, seventy-first all-time in quarterback rating, forty-first all-time in passing yards, seventy-sixth all-time in passing touchdowns, forty-fifth all-time in completion percentage, forty-eighth all-time in yards per attempt, and sixty-fourth all-time in fourth-quarter comebacks. The dude was Matt Hasselback, carried by an all-time great coach and team. And this motherfucker wants to go out here and bitch and complain about what Dak and Tony Romo haven't done in their careers, and they're no different than the Jets and Jaguars. I don't disagree necessarily that the Cowboys are absolute failures, but to sit here and pinpoint and dictate about these quarterbacks and the shortcomings they've had, bro, you're lucky you weren't born 20 years later, and that you didn't get to play for those great teams. Because according to your numbers, you were dog shit in your career as an individual player who was carried by one of the greatest, if not the greatest offensive line of all time, if not the greatest running back of all time, if not one of the 10 to 15 greatest defenses of all time Michael with Deion Sanders and those guys. Michael oh, Irvin is his receiver. receiver. Jimmy yeah. Johnson, yeah. one of the five greatest head coaches, in my opinion, to ever coach. Not, not NFL, ever college and NFL because that motherfucker unlike almost any other quarter coach out couch yep. out there outside of maybe Pete Carroll mm -hmm. had success at the highest level in both college and in the pros and this was at the peak of college football back when Jimmy was there with the Miami Hurricanes that yeah. was peak college football <laughs> with Nebraska and all these other USC and all these other teams he was dominating and then went to the Cowboys, the joke of the NFL at that time. Mm -hmm. He traded Herschel Walker in an unforeseen, unprecedented way. Got 10 players back, 10, 10 picks back, and built a Super Bowl team two years later. Cellar dwellers. Yep. Jimmy Johnson goes in there and turns them around. Troy Aikman was just there for the ride. And for him to sit here and bitch, well, I didn't get a call of a game. And then, ah, you guys are the Jaguars and the Jets. Bro, you're only known because of the team around you and your brute commercials. So do me a solid, bro, Troy Aikman, and hold this L. You got a lot more coming. Kyle Henning said that Tony is the best Dallas quarterback in 30 years. 100% agree. In 30 years. I think Tony's the greatest quarterback that's ever played for the Cowboys, and that's no offense to anybody that's played in the past. Yeah. Roger Staubach was awesome. But T Tony, Tony Romo, similar to your Stafford take, Tony Romo's one of the most unappreciated quarterbacks too, yes. man. The dude's numbers were wild, bro. Granted, he he, he crumbled at some big moments, but also the Dez didn't catch a thing hurt him yeah, as well. Towards the end of his career, he, it was tough. Romo was so, he was so good, man. He, he, he dealt with back issues, and after all this started happening, he, he was crumbled. He, he was cut short, honestly, of a career. Man, I try to avoid Troy Aikman. And I he's try, incredible I, call game. I try I to avoid Troy Aikman talks as much as I can yeah. because he just he just irritates my soul. White face, Jay-Z. Dude, he's just yeah. such a prick, man. <laughs> and he and all this shit he said about come at me when Patrick Mahomes has 33% of his Super Bowls, and then Patrick won the Super Bowl that year, you guys ever and seen, he gave him 33% of his Super Bowls. Have you guys ever seen Jay-Z and Troy Aikman in the same room? I'm telling That's you. That's the question. I'm telling you, dude. He's, he's Jay-Z with some makeup on. I'm telling you. And here's the other thing. I just want to add this because I'm, I'm doubling down on Troy Aikman because I want to give him as much shit as possible. In the same week of all that stuff I broke down, he also got passed by Patrick Mahomes for total touchdowns in playoff history. Yeah. So he's taking all kinds of L's all kinds of places, including games. this fucking show right here. <laughs> Man, this was a fun show. I hope you guys enjoyed it. I cannot wait to see how perfect my picks were this week. Uh, Trevor, Eddie, and I only agreed on one. And, man, I think that this is going to be a fun-filled week. I hope you guys enjoyed this show. We put everything we can into this each and every week, and I hope you guys are loving it. My guy, Eric Warfield, from the former chief, the former chief and uh, co-host of Chief Concerns with Dash and JD, we greatly appreciate his time. I hope he's kicking ass on the golf course as we speak. But, man, we are getting ready for some football, some NFL football, some divisional round football. 
Woodwall. So for Trevor Twidwell, for Eddie Ortiz, for the great Clay Winder that puts all this together behind the curtain, I am Lance Twidwell of the Spoken Podcast. Episode 151 is done, finished in finito. And so we're sitting here talking about an AFC championship that is hosted by, hosted at Arrowhead Stadium. Let's hope so, but I'm very confident it's going to happen. And we're talking about that in 152. We out of this bitch. Hey. We're going to get out of this bitch. Thank you so much for listening, guys. See ya. You are tuned in to the spoke. I might actually stick I might actually stick around for a little bit. <laughs> <laughs>